good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael Rose Red Rothman, here to blow out some candles, pop some balloons, and chow down on some cake. Because on September 21st, our boy Stephen King is turning the big 75. So, because we'd probably get arrested if we sent him any packages, we thought we'd do the next best thing. We're going to pick up this here dusty bag of bones and unwrap it all in celebration of his 75 years of living and creating for us constant readers. Now you're probably wondering, hold up, Mike, you fucking idiot. You absolute dolt. You covered bag of bones last year. In fact, (laughs) you didn't even cover it or read it. Randall did and spent two whole episodes on it. To that, I say, you're right. Randall did cover bag of bones and we do have two lovely full episodes on that book and its movie. But here's where you're dead wrong. This Bag of Bones episode is a mailbag episode in which we answer your questions. Uh, Many of you are probably thinking, here he goes again with the same spiel he does every Bag of Bones episode, but it's true. So this is uh, now we're gonna ask, wait a second, what gives? I didn't send any questions. Where'd they come from? And here's where I answer again. I think I've done this three times. All 19 questions up ahead are from our Overlook patrons. Now, you're probably going to ask this question, and if you've already heard the answer, I have to do it again because there are some that still don't know. So to preemptively answer that question, uh, the Overlook patrons are from our Patreon account, The Barons, which you can join right now, this very second, at this very hour. Hell, you can even pause the MP3 player. Yeah, or the, uh, the player. MP3 player, Your the iPod. iPhone, iPod. Wherever it is, you could pause it and you could go to www.patreon.com slash the barons and you could become an Overlook patron and you get all kinds of access, all of which includes giving questions for us, these Bag of Bones episodes. And now you know what the Bag of Bones episodes are. So I think we're caught up. I think we're good. And more importantly, at least for this episode, I think we're ready to meet the other losers with me today, all wearing their themed paper birthday hats. Joining me from down the street. He's got the six string, but does he have the rock? Randall, say hello and tell me which King creation is on your celebratory birthday hat. <laughs> uh, hey, it's Rock and Randall. And on my celebratory birthday hat is Mike Noonan, classic King <laughs> character, star of Bag of Bones. Oh. Uh, one of my least favorite King books ever. It wow. is a rough read. Um, that's, that's tough. That's tough. But I, I'm not, you know, a lot of people disagree with me on that, but that's why I think our Bag of Bones episode is so good because there was a lot to reckon with with that one. So yeah, that's that's what's on my hat. Well, your least favorite character, uh, or I guess he's your least favorite character? If He's if it's he's up le- there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, happy- but I'm still, you know, he's the closest to King, um, according to King, but he's very similar. So I'm honoring the man on his birthday. 
Well, happy birthday, Stephen King. Uh, your least, uh, Randall's least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you just heard her laugh. Down in Illinois, keeping it weird as always. Ashley, say hello and tell our listeners which character you've got on your hat. Hello, I am Ashley Captain Trips Cassidy because... <laughs> Full disclosure, I got my COVID booster and my flu shot today. So if oh. there's anything weird or snooze or fall asleep um, during or this grow a tail. recording yeah. or grow a tail, um, that's why. So what is on my party hat, you ask? Of course yes. I'm wearing it. It is <laughs> um, <laughs> the trash man. Oh. Yeah. Why not? Seems right. I reference the stand. It's the trash man. He's on my hat. He smells horrible. <laughs> Well, my well, life, if, my life for if you. Some, if something goes wrong with the vaccine, we can always lock you up in the loony bin down in Terre Haute. So. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. true. I, I will say uh, the booster shot, when I got mine literally a week ago, I got it in the morning of Monday. And then by that night, uh, my girlfriend and I went to go get dinner. And when I went to go lift up my drink, my arm literally gave out. And then <laughs> from there, it went to my, my body. Both of my arms hurt. Very yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. So by the end of this will be interesting. We'll have to do a checkup on there and see what's uh see how you're doing. But um yeah, see how my body's doing. Before we do that though, we got a, a booster over to Brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> where uh our next loser, he's getting in shape for the shape. Uh uh Brooklyn Barista with the deer hunter shirt and the puffy eyes, give me a half calf. Uh Caffrey, <laughs> please say hello. <laughs> And uh, tell us what uh, King Creation is on your birthday hat. You're actually wearing a hat, uh, so that I am. Uh, yeah, I'm, I got a Carhartt hat because I'm living Brooklyn now. What is that? Mm-hmm. A, a red Make America Great again? <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you know, I, I know Ashley mentioned her booster. You know, I'm 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 still holding out for my first COVID shot. <laughs> you know, I just like to ask questions. Uh, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I like to have all the information. <laughs> exactly, I like to have all the information. Um, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm fully immunized. I'll say that vaccinated, different story, but I'm immunized. Um, I've been talking to my doctors. I just have a separate health regimen, you know, to deal with my own personal allergies to mercury, which are in those vaccines. But my name is Dan uh, Dracula Caffrey. Just, just I'm just kidding. I'm vaccine boosted. Uh, I don't have the I don't have the latest one though. I don't. I think they just made it so we can get the new one here. Um, but yeah, you know my hat is it's the it's the little paper hat from it in the beginning. That's oh, my man. birthday hat. It's Georgie's. Oh, okay. It says Georgie. That's what my hat says. So it's like a the hat itself is a tribute to it's the book. Boat. And um, yeah, exactly. Oh, a boat in my head. Love it. Um, well, you're floating around. Was there another? Co- was was there another question? No, no, no other I, question. No, no I derailed no. it with my um my conservative uh, bit. We only <laughs> care about. No, your hat. it was fun. Yeah, I mean, you got multiple hats on. Um, does the little S has Georgie? Is it is it red also? And uh, have a, <laughs> make make Gary great again. It's it's, um, it's a hybrid <laughs> mega SS Georgie hat. It's like red and white. It's a red yeah red. What's white? What's white, black, and red all over? An SS Georgie hat mixed with a MAGA hat. <laughs> the only reason I wonder, I, I wonder if there are like like parody hats. Like you know, you go to the Cubs and they like the Cubs games or whatever, and they have like the shittiest fucking shirts, and some of them are crazy problematic. And you know, they all have variations of like parodies on it, but they all are Cubs. I wonder if you went to like a MAGA rally, if like during that time they had like Pennywise wearing a MAGA hat or something like that. Oh, oh God. Like completely. I, I mean, love no, some of those shirts. I, I felt like I had to qualify that it was a bit because I'm always worried that people, like yeah. I used to do this. I, I would do this thing at parties when Trump was in office if, at like theater parties. You know, everyone's very liberal and complaining about him. And then I would just go, yeah, I can't believe I fucking voted for him. Like, and, and people would like not think it was, they, they would like, 
get really dead eyed. That's a great bit. And though. I'm like, no, I'm joking, everyone. But then when I told them I was joking, like they didn't think that was funny either. And so I feel like I have to qualify that these people uh, no, sound I don't like Trump. These people sound like total buzzkills. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it, man. Well, they, I mean, I, they literally killed my my beer buzz. Um, well, no, I didn't vote for Trump. I know. I, I well, none of us. A, did. I don't have an SS MAGA hat, which <laughs> I can't tell anymore. I mean, I imagine at this point. We're not going to lose too many followers or get one star reviews by doing this conversation. But uh, if we did, um, we'll just know that they got five minutes into this episode and uh, decided to <laughs> instead of instead of stopping and joining our Patreon, they decided to downvote us on uh, on our uh, respective podcast. No, no, it's no, it's always funny about, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it at this because I know people hate it when we go on too long about this. But um, it's always funny because when you see comments or like Reddit posts or whatever that have an issue with that. They always make it clear, like, well, I, I don't even like Trump, but then they have issues is about us talking about Trump. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I just get a little suspicious. Like, did you, like, the, well, I didn't vote for him, but I don't like it when they trash him and uh, they leave politics out of it, which is weird because Stephen King is so I mean, more political, political than any of us are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like on Twitter, it's crazy. So, yeah. Anyway. yeah, it's pretty wild. So, also wild, though, is this detour that I'm going to be taking us into because before we get into the questions, we got a little uh, housekeeping to go for uh, here because uh, the last week has been a little wild in terms of Stephen King headlines, which means before we open this bag, let's do a slight detour into Hollywood King. There's a town on the coast of Del Sol, always find my way there. There's a place that the calls to my soul, always find my way there. People there are forever young, forever young, and they toast to each other's love each and every night. So, just two stories, really. The first one, Paul Greengrass, fairy tale. He's attached to direct it. The book is less than a week old at this point. I think. Well, that's how it always goes, though. Like it, the it, adaptations are announced straight. Yeah, away. we'll be talking about this next year when we're like, well, "Have we heard anything about that?" I know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's that is true. That is that true. Up? So the thing that's weird about this is that I think that out of all the people that they've ever attached directors to, this might be the most left field choice I've seen attached to a King property. I just the idea of Paul Greengrass doing this book, I've and I'm still reading it, but I couldn't help but think as I was reading, and especially this deep into the book, I'm about 80% through. And there's just scenes in the book where I'm like, my head starts hurting trying to think about how Paul Greengrass is going to do this movie if he ends up doing it. Randall, I mean, I mean what are your what are your odds here? About, I don't know. When I was reading here? Fairy Tale, I was like, this could really use the United 93 <laughs> treatment. Yeah. You know. So, um, yeah. Say, has uh, he no. done fantasy? He hasn't. Uh, I'm looking at his thing now. It, right? No, I mean it's Not like that he has to, but sure, it's like a lot of political stuff, and then the yeah. Bourne movies and uh, Captain Phillips. Uh, Captain Phillips and like News of the World with Tom Hanks. So I, I don't guess know, News like... of the World is probably the closest maybe to this. <laughs> like <laughs> I really liked filming out in the country. Um, yeah. He kind of has long gray wizard hair. Maybe that's part of it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I know we joke about saying, oh, give it the United 93 treatment. Uh, wait, who, uh, Randall and Ashley, have you finished Fairy Tale yet or not? No. I haven't even started it. it. it but go ahead. I don't know. I, I, don't mind I probably spoilers. liked it more than. Well, it's weird because I feel like it's getting. People are saying, like, oh, it's like the best King book in years. Yeah, hey, I, I don't I get think, this at all. I don't get yeah. that. I mean, I liked I did like mm-hmm. it. Um, but. It's interesting because what I without spoiling anything, this I would say oh, the you last, finished like, it? 
I did. Yeah, I finished it a couple uh, days ago. Well, you did the say last... you had 170 pages, so you probably finished it what 10 minutes later after you texted that. <laughs> <out>? <laughs> so, like, well, so. I got a little skimmy toward the end because it, the I would say the last third of the book, it just gets very convoluted in terms of uh, the lore of the kingdom and just all the fantasy mm-hmm. rules and what happens. And everything. I still enjoyed it, but I, I know you guys joked like, oh, the 993 treatment, but. <laughs> United 93 is a very streamlined movie. The Born Identity is a very streamlined movie. So I, I actually do think it could benefit maybe from just a little... I would love it if he went through and said, hey, we don't need all these stories, right? We don't need all these rules about yeah. the kingdom. We don't need all these uh, all this lore or whatever. I know that's an element of fairy tales, but I, I didn't... I like the book, but it did lose me a bit in the backstretch because it just gets so bogged down in storybook gobbledygook. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Greengrass will... Bring some grit to it. And well, fix it. Yeah. I don't know. instead of going to like Ellen, he just like uh, you know wakes up in like Northern Ireland, and it's basically just like re- re- recalibrated footage of Bloody Sunday from 2002. <laughs> <laughs> like, He's like taking it, on the NRA, the yeah. or the I- IRA or NRA, the NRA, NRA. Yeah, there's the NRA, right? What, yeah. What's the Northern Irish Republic? No, it's IRA. 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 It's IRA. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. just yeah, I don't, like, I don't know much about the like, troubles. You'd think like. Uh, this is like the perfect Guillermo del Toro like, I know. adaptation, yeah. right? And like you've, so I don't know. Like I'm not a big del Toro fan, but I, I've, if if he did this, I would have been like, oh wow, that's a good pairing. You know, mm-hmm. this is just very weird because I think that there's, I guess, like the thing about Greengrass stuff too is it's not necessarily like all that visually sumptuous, or at least it is to me. I mean, there's like almost a sterility, not in a bad way. I, I like a lot of his movies, but it's like. Um, I've never seen him as sort of a visual stylist, whereas uh, I feel like this book lends itself to that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't associate him necessarily with writing with, um, I don't know, like like a wonder or a young sort of, you know, young no, people. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who aren't being brutally murdered. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, it is, it's just an odd choice. I mean, he's a very good director so he's a great i mean director. He's, yeah. yeah so i think it's it's you know you can always just say maybe he just wanted to do something different and maybe he'll be great at with this so i'm not necess- it's not like i don't like his movie so it's just weird you know what i mean well he's the first a tour that's been attached to a like a king property in a while i would argue i mean I, we talked about that in our renaissance and also um in the last hollywood king episode it's just the lack of a tours and you know here is one here is an auteur here i it is funny you mentioned del toro though because I, he was the first person I thought of, and I, I feel like Del Toro kind of auditioned for it because he literally did a tweet where he's like, well, I was going to mention that. Yeah, oh, go for it. Go for it. Because didn't oh, no, he, say, I, did he, he, did he say you read it in like one it. sitting or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah he like said it was, it was fantastic and he loved one the One sitting? And... That's not true. How do you know? He he... What's Guillermo doing? <laughs> I he does feel have like his little <laughs> anime. He does have his little anime house, so I imagine he's probably very comfortable there. Have you ever seen his little his little his little toy house that he has? Where it's I heard it was I heard it was kind of sad. Like he gave someone told me that um he gave the I think it was Martin Carlson told me that there's like video of him because he has a whole separate house just for toys and shit. Yeah. Which you think would be cool, right? I mean, I have a lot of stuff that would be cool. But they, they say it's kind of sad. Like he goes through and you're like, man, that's a lot of stuff. Like you just think that. <laughs> <laughs> just, how? I don't how, know. I how old seen are it, you? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm just yeah. kidding. I love so toys mean. and books. I know. But, I'm yeah, kidding. A whole but, house. I don't know. Well, I was saying too. I think I said over text, Mike. I was like, 
Sam Raimi could have been good. I mean, yeah, post uh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, because he has the horror bona fides. He he's directed a fucking Oz movie for Christ's sake. So it's like, you know, I think uh, he's got a sense of wonder, a sense of humor, a sense of I don't know. He's got I feel like Raimi to me was like um, would have been the most exciting choice. Um, but Wait, what know. was what was the um, what was Del Toro's tweet? What did he say? Was he oh, like, he just said he read it all in one sitting. Yeah. Oh, that was he awesome. Loved it. Yeah. I think so. He loved it, and he loved it. Like, I mean, that's the thing. It's just it did feel like a tryout for I, this. I would buy happen. that he read. The, I blazed through the first like a little bit over the first half of the book. Like, I thought it was so readable, and I was so into yeah. it. At least I it wasn't like I disliked it by the end. It just it started to feel like a little bit like a video game or something to me by the end. I yeah, I got video game um, vibes too. Yeah, so like it's just funny because I think he's come out with some really great books the past since like eleven twenty two onward. I mean, revivals like amazing. I think um, I, know. I, I did not I think, think fairy tales. I is think good it's as probably revival. you know it's the usual reactionary stuff. I think I think what people are responding to, but the only language we really have as a culture anymore is like something is the best or the worst, yeah. and so like because we've just lost so much mm-hmm. nuance in the way we talk about art that I think what people are responding to is probably him leaning so hard into genre again. Um, because I think that's what we associate King with and what we enjoy. Because even The Outsider, which is very much a horror novel, is also rooted so much in police procedural that mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it still feels like it has its roots in that area. And same with Later, Billy Summers, obviously. These are all books that have a lot of horrific stuff on them, but they're still very much rooted in the real world and um, mm-hmm. and don't incorporate, I think, a lot of... Uh, you know, there is supernatural elements, but a lot it's also kind of molded around a lot of real world darkness. I think about later specifically. And um, whereas this book is like a completely it's like going to midworld again. It's like feeling like you're, yep. you know, part of a, a different imagined world. And and I, and obviously, I think there's a YA element. Um, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't call the book YA, but it has YA vibes, I think. And I think that's obviously something that appeals to a lot of people. So I think um I think it's more like the shape of the book and the freshness of the material, at least from King, is probably what's spawning a lot of the kind of, you know, um, enthusiastic Uh responses. I don't know if in five years people will still say they love fairy tale, you know. I think that's a lot. Yeah, there's a there's definitely an episode that you had here where we, well, I guess it's when we get to the fucking books because it'll be five <laughs> years. But like, it's to look back and see like which books actually made a dent in, in us. But uh, I will say it'll be interesting in a year from now uh, when we're covering Holly and uh, we're basically saying, well, look, the book's been out for a week and George Miller is now attached to you know, <laughs> and we're like, why didn't he do fairy tale anyway? Um, well, I mean, who, as you say, because I agree with that, actually, like, who I'm trying to think of all we've covered so many of these announcements at this point. What, which ones have oh we come through? We went through all of them in the last Hollywood King episode, and the list is long, and the list that of actually confirmed in production or in post production films is very short. Get shorter uh, and yeah. shorter. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll say later <laughs> seemed to have a lot of momentum. Like there was a lot of casting that was announced for that so i'd say out of the recent ones that's the one i think probably is the best shot of actually manifesting yeah but um billy summers seems to have ground to a halt at least from from what i can gather yeah i'm just thinking about the latest books and then same with the institute like the institute i believe david e kelly was behind that it's just dead and i haven't that was years ago i haven't heard anything about it i think you know i think the next film that we're going to discuss here may have an influence on that mr harrigan's phone the trailer hit last week. I like the White Stripes song that was in it. Um, I got to see our boy Jaden Martell in there. Got to see our other boy, <laughs> our boy. Donald our Sutherland. Boy. Um, 
I was surprised. I, you know, we've been joking around about how, like, you know, we haven't heard much about this movie. Netflix uh, and all their Netflixy ways uh, decided to drop the trailer. I think a shy two weeks before it hits uh, yeah, Netflix. Very so unceremoniously. Classic. Yeah, I. But still, I'm. You know, I'm very intrigued. I think it looks pretty solid. I think it looks uh, great. Yeah. yeah. What 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 uh what spoke to you, Ashley, about the trailer? Well, I didn't even read it until after we discussed it on the Hollywood King episode. I went and yeah. read If It Bleeds, and I loved the short story. It was really wonderful. Um, I I enjoyed going back to you know a teenager in King's eyes and and going through bullies and first loves and and all of that. And uh, the trailer itself, unfortunately. I knew the casting when mm-hmm. I read the story, which I always hate because yeah. then I can't mm-hmm. picture anything but Donald Sutherland. <clears throat> excuse me. But excuse me. That was a COVID vaccine. Uh, oh, no. But <laughs> it's such good. Yeah, casting. Told you you should, yeah mercury. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. poison in your veins. <laughs> <laughs> going to get starts coming out of your mouth. We're going to get a note. We're going to get like that little warning on Spotify about this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, this, this is a COVID, <laughs> COVID episode. Yeah, no, I think the casting is really incredible. And I think that I, at first I was like, I don't know if this makes a good movie. Like yeah. if this story would make a good movie, but I think... I think they're going to do it. I mean, I guess it depends on how far they stray from the source material. But according to the trailer, I mean, from what we saw, they didn't at all. That doesn't mean they won't, but they didn't. Yeah. Pretty much everything about this, I was geared up to just, it would like, it would be kind of as forgettable as something like uh, In the Tall Grass, which kind of dropped and went with no fanfare. And that's probably what will happen to this, but... But, you know, I was looking at the the bona fides, right? And I'm like, okay, it's a story that I liked but didn't love. Um, it's uh, John Lee Hancock, who has directed um, a lot of fine but forgettable movies like The Blind you Side. You mean Herbie and- Hancock. Oh. <laughs> I, made a, I made a dumb Tommy Boy joke. No, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. He did The Great Highwaymen, which I attended the after party for at South by Southwest. <laughs> uh, if you're a longtime listener of Hollywood King, you know why I mentioned that. And, uh, yeah, and then... <laughs> Ryan, who's the producers? Ryan Murphy, uh, yeah, Jason Blum, this and Jason Blum. This isn't this isn't a team. This is a very successful team mm-hmm. behind it. This is not yeah. a team that I necessarily want adapting content that I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so it is. But then you know the casting is good. I Jade Martell obviously is a king regular now, and uh, I've liked him and everything I've seen him in. Donald Sutherland is a legend. The so guy playing the dad who was in Mayor of Easttown. He's fantastic. Oh, oh, is that Kirby Kirby Baptiste Howell? Is that his name? He played the. I could be wrong. Well, I don't want to give any Mayor of Easttown spoilers, but um, he he was in Mayor of Easttown. He was really great. That was the only time I'd ever seen him. So when I saw him in this trailer, I I, I cheered a little bit. Yeah, I was excited. so I was prepared to be a little, you know, like bitchy about this, but I thought the trailer was well cut. Yeah. I like the white stripes. I like the look of it generally, and then um. Uh, the bully, great casting for the bully. Dude, like, that, that guy looks scary. You know me, I'm a bully guy. Yeah. Show me a good bully, and I'm in. Well, and you're so wearing a Cobra one, Kai shirt. Of course you I are. I am because um. I know. I if I were in the Cobra Kai universe, I would be like one of the bullies. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's to me is. Uh, I think there's. I think it could be so long as it doesn't try to like inflate itself too much yeah. and it sort of commits to what's on the page, um, and just lets the you know the two actors cook a little bit and the. And if the iPhone stuff isn't super cringe um, and they sort of embrace the, you know, I think the uh, 
I don't know, the kind of like adorable adorableness of an old man with an iPhone instead of trying to like act like they know what they're talking about technologically. Mm-hmm. It could be a lot of fun. So um, I don't know. I'm like pretty optimistic. My and it's biggest just nice fear. to have an original king. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest fear is that Donald Sutherland's going to die in the first five minutes and you're mm-hmm. not going to get all of that great stuff from the short story because yeah. that is sort of something that you could technically, I guess, brush over in a movie. But I really hope they don't. I really hope they spend time. And maybe they'll do it in a way where it's like flashbacks. Like, I don't know how they're going to structure it. But I'm yeah, actually excited. I feel for like you one. don't want to waste that voice of his, right? No. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like you could cut those voice. passages. But like that's if you have Don Sutherland saying yeah. it, then you know, why not? He does those fucking orange juice commercials. He, he should be able to do the. Uh, <laughs> does he really? <laughs> what is, he, is it a. Yeah, like the. Simp- it's, 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 uh, I can't do Don, uh, Don Sutherland. Like, it's like simply orange. I can't do his. I'm oh, listening too much. Simply orange. We all just go. It's like a God. I will. All right. So. One question I had, I don't think they're going to cut out too much of Sutherland because I think that, A, he's a big name for them, mm-hmm. but I think that they need this story because there's not there's not a lot there. You know, it's like they do need to 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 get to that 90-minute mark somehow. They need to and juice I, it. They like need to juice it a little juice. bit. Simply orange. The simply orange juice. I'm just doing his Animal House like character um, <laughs> where he's stoned the entire time. It should be easy to do a Don Southern. Like, I know. You know, well, you know sim- like I know in the Simpsons. Buffy. Hey, you know what? Buffy. King's, King's Buffy. Dominion on the Simpsons. Buffy. His character, he, play, he plays that historian. Uh, oh, yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. Jebediah Springfield Foundation, and he has a line in that. He says, "Here's Johnny Cakes," which is a oh, King that's reference. A great, uh, yeah. He's already in the world of uh, King. So, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I do wonder if they're gonna like up the gore for like all you know when the 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 deaths from the grave start happening. If we're gonna, I mean, we have to see him. I mean, that's I'll gonna be it. part of the spookiness, right? Unless they're gonna make this I'll real. I I want it. I wanted to see like yeah, you know it. the kids getting all like well, fucking mangled and stuff. Have y'all seen um, y'all? I've not seen the Black Phone yet. I'm gonna watch it for Randall Mel's Halloween Hell, but um, probably the safest I, uh, like horror in general for the most part. I mean, it's not very well, scary. Um, well, I was gonna ask like, because this that short story is so short, and um, I'm assuming they add stuff, right? And do they oh make yeah, it super they add quite a or bit. Anything, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. No spoilers. Yeah, they add a whole You'll find bunch out. Of yeah. We have a yeah. whole episode on it, Dan. You can listen to it on hey, patreon.com slash the episodes where I've consumed the media. Of it. So <laughs> yeah. I'll get to it, but I, I always like to read along or watch along. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the Bone Zone. We got 19 Bones. questions. Bones. Um, I think we should probably start <laughs> by distance. So we'll start by those closest to me which is Randall. So yeah. uh, Randall, kick us off. Number one, Jesse. Let me read this. Jesse, so uh, I think he, he said on the Discord how to say his name. I believe it was Solace. It's not so. Oh, it's not so. I feel bad. I always say Solace. So I feel bad because I don't remember and I'm going to say it wrong. Well, I'm he's going to have to Jesse. tell us on Discord again. Um. <laughs> um, okay. It's the evening of Uncle Steve's birthday. You're at his estate. Bonfire burning bright. Main stars paint the sky. And Molly, the thing of evil, quietly sits with her head resting on your foot. You take a sip of bourbon, Stephen, a sip of tea. He says, you want to know a secret, dear loser? Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? Cy King calls you closer. You lean in. He whispers in your ear, one of my books was actually written by Tabitha. If you can tell me which one on the first try, I'll never write a sappy ending again. (laughs) So which book is it and why? Jesse, uh, big points for the scene setting. I appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah. great scenes. Yeah. Um, I liked your... 
I liked your interpretation of King. Mine is always David Lynch, and yours was yeah, a character from a Charles Dickens. Lynch. Yeah, Mike's novel. is always like, ah. <laughs> I, well, I just, I just, I like the soft-spoken uh, Dickensian King that yeah. you gave us. So, did, yeah. did Jesse ask that question? This is like two years ago at this point. There's Baggy Bones episodes. It was, I don't remember what the question was, but I wrote that passage of you getting bullied or something, Randall. I remember it was like it was like I put Randall in a oh yeah in, in a bull. And I remember the scene setting being very good for that question too. But I don't know if that Jesse let us know in the Discord. Okay, yeah, uh, uh, I have a thought, but I'll, I'll let yeah. someone else go first. No, no, Dan, what what's your answer? I w- I mean, this might be the the boring answer. I was gonna say Lissy's story. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. just because I feel like, I feel like that to me feels like the book that is so much about their relationship and about Tabby. And I feel like he, well, I don't know Tabby, so I don't know if this is true, but I was going to say, oh, I feel like he gets into her head the most there, so that would just make the most sense. And look, hey, Jesse, I love you, but I'm going to push back on the ending. I, I I love King. I I think the thing of like, oh, King has crappy endings is not um not true. I, I agree. He's not really saying they're crappy. He's just saying sappy. Sappy. sappy? Happy crappy. Sappy, He's always got crappy. a little bit of sap. Sappy crappy. Happy yeah. crappy. <laughs> happy crappy. <laughs> that's a, that's I like mine, a happy though. crappy ending, yeah. yeah. I said, what, what about the rest of y'all, though? Ashley, how about you? What do you think? I thought maybe Dolores Claiborne. Um, Ah. Just to be able to write from the point of view of a 65-year-old woman uh, and the plight of women in general in a time when our entire freedom was tied to our husbands, whomever Mm -hmm. that man might be and whatever darkness lies within him, like it doesn't matter. And unfortunately, sometimes the only escape from that prison was a violent one. And also... I really love the almost companion piece that came years and years later when Stephen wrote 1922. Yeah. And I thought maybe it would be interesting if Tabitha wrote Dolores Claiborne and Stephen wrote 1922. And each one wrote about cool. killing their partner and dumping him in a well. I never <laughs> thought about the that's you're totally right. I never thought about like the like the I mean Dolores Claiborne's already pretty dark, but 1922 is almost like the dark side of Dolores Claiborne. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. I yeah. I had read 1922, like right when that book came out. What was that? Full Dark, No Stars? Is that what mm-hmm. that one was? Yeah. And yeah. I hadn't read Dolores Claiborne or seen the movie or anything. And that was like the next King I read. And it wasn't because I knew that connection. It just yeah. happened to happen that way. And I was like, oh, how fucking interesting that I just read two That's King ca. books. Yeah. About... Uh, killing your spouse and throwing them in a well and then what repercussions come after that. King is pretty obsessed with wells. I think it's... Loves I wells. think it's because... Loves uh, a good well. I think like... Who was it? The little girl who got trapped in a well and was there for days. I feel like that really wormed his way into his what, head because I feel like that pops up in so many... Was that a real thing? I, yeah. I always think of The Simpsons, Timmy O'Toole. So I always do, but, that, yeah. but that's based in reality, right? I, yeah, I mean, I think it's all it all traces back to... I, what was it like little jenny in the well or something like that yeah. it was like a huge media event it was like balloon boy um of, of its time i guess uh mike how about you yeah you know it's funny i was gonna say lisa's story also just because you know in the sense that even it's called lisa's story it's more about scott landon which if she you know if we ostensibly believe that um you know tapitha wrote it then it would be her point of view with more insight into king and mm-hmm. which is why Alicia has more insight into into Scott in the story, so that would work. But I thought it'd be fun if King had wrote, written Desperation and Tabby wrote The Regulators, and they just <laughs> and they just keep using the Bachman name to kind of just funnel their own stories that they were like, eh. We'll, well that's funny somewhere. that you say that because my answer was the Bachman books. Oh, interesting. Which ones? All of them. All of them. Long Walk. Except for Long Walk. Yeah, she is Richard Bachman. She's not a very nice guy. 
Mm. So that's my answer. Like uh, well, no, I, I initially thought about, I'm not serious by the way, but uh, I initially thought about Rose matter uh, mm. because you know, you're thinking about these stories about women. Yeah. But then I was like, no, nobody could write Norman except for Stephen King. That yeah. is the most Stephen King character like dialed up to 15 that's ever been written. Yeah. He's like the most maximalist King. Maximalist there, villain. Yeah. You he's, mean he's dialed yeah. up to 19. Yeah, there um, you go. All right. Sorry. Ashley, have you read Rose Matter? No, I haven't read Rose Matter. It is uh it I've is quite heard. quite a book. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> it's better than people give it credit I for, own but it, it is but I haven't yeah. read it yet. Yeah. I got really Are mad you... when it was on the like it was the listed as the worst book on some re- mm-hmm. Stephen King book ranking, think, which yeah. Bag of Bones is worse than Rose Matter. I, yeah, well, I, I agree with that. Re- Ashley, you're reading. Are you going like everything in order, or or do you have you jumped around? In oh no, I just jump around. Chronology. Yeah, I just yeah. read whatever House I'm pain. feeling. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> whatever I'm feeling at that time. I actually recently. So when when you asked to do this episode, and you were like, "Oh, we're not actually doing Bag of Bones," and I was like, "That's fine. This sounds good too." I have Bag of Bones. I read it. I think in college, and I was like, you know what? I want to reread that because I remember liking it. I didn't make it far, unfortunately. Yeah. I didn't love it. Listen it, to it our is... uh, two episodes. Yes. Multiple I episodes. think I two might episodes. just go back and listen to the – because I remember everything that happened, so I don't really idea. need to reread it, so I might just go back and listen. <laughs> it is weird because I remember really liking that one as a kid also, yeah, which I don't I know why I would like it more it a as a kid than college. as an adult. Probably because all the sex. Way. You know, I, well, it was very I'm for hard. real. You say, you yeah. joke, but I mean, I, I part of reading a king when you're a youngster is like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm allowed to read Probably this. Like, yeah. how, like so a tree house. Well, the best, you know? the best section, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> treehouse with the flashlight. Yeah, um, uh, but no, like the best part of Bag of Bones is the is the horny dream. Yeah, that's yeah. like actually, that's actually a really impressive the, feat of writing. Yeah, it's the scariest scene. It's the sexiest mm-hmm. scene. It's the most interesting. It's the most complicated. Scene. For real, I mean that whole stretch is really good. But I well, it's, I, I thought the best thing is the first edition artwork that's on the cover. But uh, number oh, trust two, me, we we poke oh, fun at that know, quite I know. a bit. It's it's a, that's one of the clips that we pulled for the episode. Uh, Ashley, take number two. Yeah, this one comes in from Hayden Orr. And Hayden says, hey, all, I've tried to look around online for the answer to this, and I couldn't find anything, and maybe I just misread the text, but I recently finally read The Stand and The Dark Tower series, and it felt like Randall Flagg didn't remember his past or the full extent of who he was in The Stand. Is this just because Flagg wasn't the man in black until later on when King rolled all those characters into one guy, or is there an actual potential reason? I'd like to jump in to just say, I feel like we shouldn't give any kind of definitive answer here, but this is something because we're about to go into our final Dark Tower uh, kind of run. Mm -hmm. This is a question I'm going to keep in mind. And then in our December episodes about the final book, this is something we will address. And Dan, you're on I, those episodes with me. So. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I, was gonna say I agree, Randall. Dan I because you because you do you you do find out earlier than the books we're about to cover. But I just for consistency's sake, I don't want to like say just just to be yeah. safe. But I, there I, is I will an say answer. this. There, oh, very much there is an answer. Okay. I want to say I could be wrong, but Hayden, if you listen to our Crimson King episode, I feel like we go into that. Maybe mm-hmm. we um or if you listen to any of our Dark Tower Detour episodes, we talk a lot about um. King's world building, how much he's planned it out versus how much he's retconned, which it's kind of a mixture of all of it. I will say, I'll just say this. He is not as 
studious or as prepared as like J.R.R. Tolkien is before he writes his books. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I'll say about it. And it's a mixture of both. So yeah, but I, I think it's good to not go too much into it. Our, I mean, our Dark Tower 7 episode will talk a lot about that. Yeah. Why don't you gets, take yeah. the next question instead, Dan? Because uh, cool. we, got, we got to answer something here. So. <laughs> yeah. For, go for number <laughs> yeah, three. Yeah, we just keep giving not answers. Uh, Brian Burnett, uh, Losers Club historian, correct? Yeah. Uh, if the Losers Club was hired to produce a new creep show movie, what King stories would you choose to be in it? That is All right, a really so good question. I threw this I out. One, I threw this out on the email initially. And I thought that we could basically, there's four of us here. We could pretty much assemble a creep show. Yeah. Ourselves. So, um, so you, Dan, you have your own that you, you, we all, I'd said everyone come up with their own <laughs> yeah. story. And then also we'd maybe debate a director f- to, to tie it all together. Mm. Um, all right. I, what I love about creep show, just horror anthology in general, I, it's almost like the anti prestige horror, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there it's all, it's mm-hmm. like, it's all, it consists of pretty much three beats. It always has a stinger at the end. They're really gross. They're really fun. Um, so I would pick, um, it's not even King's most horrific story, but it's definitely one of his funniest. It's called A Very Tight Place. Oh. The, uh, have you all read that? I know oh my you're gosh. Talking about, it, yeah. I, it's, fr- it's from Just After Sunset, which I think is such a strong short story collection. It never get. I think it's better than Skeleton Career. I think it's definitely better than Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Um, it never gets really talked about in the pantheon of his great collections, but man, it's up there with like night shift for me. Um, so the, I won't give away too much, but the gist of it is that a man uses a porta potty and gets <laughs> stuck in it, uh, at a construction site and bad <laughs> oh stuff happens God, to him. And it is, one. it is one of his foulest stories, but also really funny has a great ending that is like totally fit for creep show. The whole story is about revenge. I feel like that's yes. another thing with anthology horror from, from uh, Tales from the Crypt to Tales from the Dark Side to Creepshow, it's, uh, there's always like a revenge component. So um, that's my choice. I, I, I just think it's yeah. a great story and I would love to see it adapted. Uh, and director, I don't know, you need someone like... Well, we, we'll, we'll debate the director after. Just uh, <sighs> Oh, because it would be the, the director whole thing. of the whole movie because that's how yeah, Creepshow yeah. works. All right. So that's okay. fine. All right. Ashley. Uh, the one that I chose was actually, I don't know if you guys remember this one, it's called Quitters Inc., it was from oh, Night yeah. Shift. Yes. And uh, essentially it's about a guy who's desperate to quit, finally quit smoking. And he finds this uh, business called Quitters Inc. that has like a 100% success rate. And their methods are horrific. And they essentially torture your family if you smoke a cigarette. And I, <laughs> the reason I picked it was simply for the final shot. Because I just think the reveal at the end with his friend's wife mm-hmm. missing her little finger would be so satisfying as a little button on a short. Yeah, they well, so here's the thing. We got a conundrum here. So No what? They did Quitters Inc. in Cat's Eye. Um have you seen Cat's Eye? They like, did. It's, oh my yeah. god. Yeah, with Okay. Yeah, but we could use a version without James Wood. It fits yeah, better in Creep Show. It does. I like it in Cat's Eye, but it it's definitely more of a creep show You're story right. than uh, than it is because that and, and I, I almost used you know they got a hell of a band and then I was like didn't they do that in nightmares they and did that dreamscape oh, did they? I thought okay. I've never seen the nightmares all right and well then let's do series. an original uh we'll go back to our our um uh our everything's eventual we could do autopsy room four because we got boners well prob- I feel like boners. Oh, that's <laughs> wait did no, they do that too that that one? wait they did that one too when it comes to nightmares and dreamscapes too Autopsy would be an amazing one, and I agree. But and that's also that's not bullshit a good because that's not from. It's not great. It's not from Nightmares and Dreamscapes. I hate how I have never seen that series, but I hate how half the stories in that are like not even from the 
I, but yeah, but I, but I do <laughs> think true. out of see the thing is Quitters Inc is really I think it's probably the best one of the best segments in Cat's Eye. Maybe that and the Ledger are really good. But the autopsy room, like from the Nightmares and Dreams tapes, could absolutely be updated. And I don't know that one. It definitely could use it because I think Richard Thomas is in that one. It's like okay, um, not great. Because we didn't like the, the only one I fully remember is Battleground. Yeah, I think they well, actually the did one. a really good job yeah, with Battleground, the and then the rest of them are so mediocre yeah. that I forgot that they exist. Is, is Battle <laughs> didn't Battleground they do like the Henson Creature Workshop did all that right? William like yeah. they did the Hurt. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I need to see some of those. Yeah. So these are so you got some good options here. Yeah, um, they've all been done. Randall. Mine is uh, an interesting one, but I was thinking about stories because, you know, Creepshow, it's filled with awful, like, you know, if you think about, like, the original movie, it's a lot of, like, shitty people, yeah. but who are entertaining. <laughs> That's true. Um, and because, you know, there's that, it's a grimy vibe, mm-hmm. right? It's This isn't, like, horror where you're rooting for people. This is more just kind of, like, you know, uh, people that are fun to hate. So I was thinking about lunch at the Gotham Cafe it. from Everything's Eventual. <laughs> Dude, is that really what you had? Uh, I like how we're I th- all, I did just, but I, I like how there's so many Everything's Eventual no, stories. I have, it, yeah. I have it back, so it's fine. It's fine, okay. it's fine. Yeah. They're so fresh. Because I feel like lunch fresh. at the Gotham Cafe is so goofy, but also it, it's such good. a clash of aesthetic and, and style. And it's like nasty, it's bloody. And then like the um, the ending is like, I don't know. It's it, it's kind of darkly hilarious in the same way that I think a lot of so, the creep, best creep show segments. It's are. It's also so, very yeah. adult, which is what the, one of the yeah. It's very adult because yeah. like we discussed in the creep show crate from a few, a few years ago that we're actually going to probably unlock this October. But uh, they uh, the I think the average age of creep show is like fifty three, <laughs> like like yeah. everyone's older. So I I have a, I had a backup, fortunately enough, um, and this is really left field, and you'd have to go to our archive section to actually know what this story is. Um, and it is, I was a teenage grave robber. And I think that- Oh, shit. I think that this would be so fucking perfect for Creepshow. It would be so left field. It'd be like a really cool way to incorporate King without being obvious about it. And, you know, as we discussed in that episode, um, which I believe is our first archives episode. I think it's the first one, which uh, we talked about his earliest works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's a great- absolutely screams ec comics story it's one of the first fully developed like stories i i think we discussed in that line um and it's a blast it's a total blast and there's some action in there but there's a lot of like grimy universal type horror that i think would really work well here um have they done an adaptation of chattering teeth they they did it they did yeah from quicksilver highway i think Quicksilver Highway. Yeah, yeah. It's not I good, seen any of this like this TNT King bullshit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I will say actually, I thought about Chattery Teeth as well because that would that's yeah. a perfect creep show. Yeah. 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 Everything that pops in my head's already been done. Well, bitch. if yeah, I haven't. No, it's I haven't seen any of those actually either. So it's uh, yeah. Well, I'm gonna, can re, look, Hollywood re, redoes shit all the time. You can you can do. Look, I want an. We autopsy just have to do it for, better. Yeah, like you need to see so. that boner, like like actually see, see it. I want to see the boner. NC seventeen boner getting hard. I don't hard. want a suggestion uh, of a yeah. boner. I want a rock hard bone bone. <laughs> yeah, just really grab. So you would, you had said uh, you said chattery, critters inc, autopsy room four. Yeah, those are the three, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, and a very tight place. 
Yikes. No. Well, that was zero, yeah, zero. That's so yours. For, I'm, all right. So I think what I'm going to do is oh, I we could throw Sorry, a poll building whole movie. up on socials when we do this. And we could uh, basically have <laughs> yeah. people vote like which one they want the remake to be which in this creep show. Because this is our creep show three. So I, all right. So when it comes sure. to filmmakers, Randall, you threw out a name earlier that I think actually would be the perfect person for this, which is Sam Raimi. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just, he's done the cartoon, like, or not the cartoon, the comic movie with Darkman. I mean, just the direction of Darkman alone screams, you know, enough for this. He also did the the Quibi stuff, if you remember Quibi. He did oh, the 50 yeah. Stages of Fright, I think it was. 50 States of Fright, I think. Um, and so he knows how to do, obviously, the short form segments. But uh, I don't know. Anybody have any other filmmaker ideas? that do? Caffer, you had one, right? Oh, man. Who is he? Oh, no. I was just kind of thinking through it live in my head. I was like, oh, it needs to be someone who's good with being gross, but also has some style to them because i was gonna say maybe like kevin smith or something but i i no. don't know Come i don't on. know if he didn't write it maybe i mean he, he does some guy. I think Tusk, I'm, a, I'm a tusk fan. i do too like i like tusk um, also yeah creep yeah like tusk was fun. starring jay and silent bob yeah oh god yeah, yeah oh god yeah have, you know it's instead of the creep you just have jay and silent bob being like snoogans on this next story yeah. uh, um no i'm trying to think I mean, sam raimi's pretty great i don't know sam Raim, like, he, i don't he know feels if you're like gonna the, get a better better answer yeah exactly i got i got a better one (laughs) it's time for him to do horror (laughs) quentin tarantino oh man he would be amazing yes yeah what if that's my number one raimi's what if his what if his 10th movie was creep show (laughs) three i would love it i would love it that would be great that's such a quentin yeah i would would actually i'm all in i want quentin i want quentin now with like and maybe bring in robert rodriguez for some of the segments also you can kind of shake it up a little bit yeah, the closest yeah. one's gotten grind straight. House. I yeah. mean, they're kind of yeah, grind house, grindhouse grindhouse-y like... in general. Like, it's the same vibe. It's the same audience half the time. So make it sexy. Man. And you know he, Quentin he would re- have a boner in there. Oh, it would be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh, he would go there. He would yeah. t- he, he'd, he'd probably have, like, Brad Pitt playing him or something. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> <laughs> but no, wait, didn't uh, didn't Quentin Tarantino, he co-wrote From Dust Till Dawn, right? And it was yeah. in it. Didn't he write it with yeah. Robert Rodriguez? Yeah. yeah, so he can do that kind of thing. I mean, really he well. if you did five segments with like the original ones, had five different directors for it with an overarching with like an overarching producer, maybe even get like Nicotero, obviously, because he's the, you know, the godfather of this now. Um, mm-hmm. or the, you know, the the grandfather over this. I think this could work really well. And I think you bring in some of the old school, you know, names too. Like you could bring in John Harrison to the score again. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even bring like Mike Flanagan. He loves adapting. Can oh, he bring does. him in for a little, you know, one of the sweeter ones. One of the oh yeah, right. You one know, of the less gory ones. Yeah, could be Mike. Yeah. What if he? What if they had him do Autopsy Room, but Flanagan has he has the dick come to life at the end, and then just gives a monologue to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> like, about- like the dick, the dick holes <laughs> yeah. moving doing. Yeah. The yeah. yeah, it'll be like yeah, Pam like and talking. Tommy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the Dick and Pam and Tommy, like giving, mm-hmm. but giving this really heartfelt monologue, and then it like cries a little pee at the end or something like. Yeah, that. you'd have to. <laughs> you'd have to get Joe Hill to play the dad now, because now you know, because he was. The oh, kid that's from the, cool. The first one, which oh would be God, pretty cool. Does Joe Hill have kids? He does. Right? Yeah, he could. He could have one of his kids play his role. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. So he plays the Tom Atkins role, and then and then some kid play or, yeah, that'd be really. Yeah, cool. I mean. Or you could just have Joe Hill dressed in like a diaper or something, and he could play the baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> be like, hey, it's Creepshow. You can just do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> and a diaper. He's not even that young in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we got to get on. We got to move on. Um, Anthony Stoker, number four. 
You travel back in time through a portal, of course, and become the head of a major movie studio in the late 40s to early 50s. You have the budget and time to greenlight the adaptation of any King work you want before you return to the 21st century. What work do you choose? Who's your director? And who do you cast? So this was confusing to me a little bit just because Same. it was like late 30s, early 50s. Like, why that time? And I'm imagining so we could go back there and have an original story and it's our own movie, I guess. I, I Well, it's because this is like the Beatles movie yesterday where the guy forgets. Or like yeah, the that's world what I figured. forgets yeah. that there is so well no, I don't I don't know if that's what Anthony was going for, but that's how I okay. took it was we can be the opportunists. It's kind of like uh like so this guy gets rich playing Beatles songs and everybody thinks he created them. That'll be us just with King. Song. All right, you go and you uh, go first then because I I need some time then to like think this over. <laughs> <laughs> so um I'm just basically saying, okay, I've got all the resources at my disposal. Yeah. Um, and I can make anything and it's that time period. And I'm like, what story am I going to put all my resources into? And just knowing me, such a fuck up, I'm going with road work. God, you're crazy. I can't believe how close we are in this. Um, yeah. all right. So who, who are you putting in this? Who's the talent that you're going here? Who's the talent of uh, rock Hudson, rock Hudson. He kind of looks oh. like Barton dolls a little bit on the cover. Yeah. It's like that, yeah. that chiseled jaw and <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I just think it would be funny to like if you had your pick of any Stephen King adaptation any anywhere, and then you could be like, give it the greatest adaptation ever, and then choosing the fucking dirt worst Stephen King book ever. That's uh, it's hey, very funny to me. That's fun. That's fine. Um, okay, who do you have a director in mind, or no? It's not going to happen. Uh, 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 Orson Welles. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> for road, for work. road work. I'd say like Frank Capra, but that wouldn't really work for yeah road work uh, well Caffrey who are you what are you choosing oh man yeah I, I think I misunderstood the question first too. I, you know what I this I would do the green mile because it takes place during then anyway yeah now hear me out because I know there's some sticky racial stuff in there but in the 50s like that would that kind of movie was being made all the time yeah <laughs> you know what I'm saying so like it weirdly would be like for real like I mean I probably win an Oscar Mockingbird. you know no for real like I'd love to kill a Mockingbird and a lot of people do but you know, we they talk about how okay, well, it's it's done. The racial stuff is handled in a little bit more of a cardboard fashion than it would be today. So I feel like it weirdly would fit in with the time. Get Frank Capra. I feel like Frank. I almost. I don't think Frank Darabont's a modern Frank Capra necessarily because he did The Mist, which is like the most anti Frank Capra movie you could do. But he also did The Majestic, and he did Shawshank Redemption. He did Green Mile. I feel like he handles sentiment very well in the way that Capra does. So I think that's who who I would pick. Um, who would I want to play Paul Edgecombe? I don't know. Get like yeah, Rock Hudson. No, 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 Rock everything Hudson. Rock Hudson. I don't know, who like uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart. I don't know. Jimmy oh, Stewart. Hey. No, Cary Grant. Cary, Cary Grant would be a good. A good college guy, I think. You can't, can do, you can't, he can you can't do, um, kill this man. Uh, you know, with the Jimmy <laughs> I was going to say, Jimmy Stewart's <laughs> tough because he's so easily imitable, yeah. you know? Like, it's so... Everyone can do a good Jimmy Stewart voice, but Cary Grant is has that kind of same vibe, but he's a little bit harder to imitate, so yeah. I think that's who I would do. Get uh, get Ray Bradbury to adapt the screenplay. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. That's yeah. great. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah that's Ashley. mine. That's mine. What do you, uh, what do you green line? the question. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I did it first too. Yeah, I was unclear on what it was. Asking. Um, because for me, I was the. I mean, maybe the question influenced me because when they were saying like you travel back in time through a portal, of course, and like you change something in history, whatever. I thought immediately eleven twenty two sixty three, um, and 
I obviously casted it with like people from today. So I don't know if you want to try this anyway. Um, they're not. I like the idea of you like predicting the Kennedy assassination. I know. I know. Right. That's actually, actually kind of cool. Yeah. Like, well, because then I, Jack, if it was Jack made Kennedy back. Like... <laughs> <laughs> How do we rewrite history if it hasn't yeah. been written? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but I had said, uh, in case anyone cares, I would cast uh, possibly, uh, since I've seen Under the Banner of Heaven, I think Andrew Garfield would be yeah, a good, be a good Jake. Jake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he would be good, yeah. Um, and Love AG. Gosh, I'd really want to keep Chris Cooper as Al because I think he was perfect. But if I had to recast, I might choose Peter Mullen. I don't know if you guys know who he was. He was Sid in Children of Men, and he was in oh, Top yeah. of the Lake. Yeah, or Brian Sid. Cranston. That would be a good um, choice as well. What do you think about Rock Hudson? <laughs> or Rock Hudson. You know well, what? You go back in time to the 40s and 50s and get talent from there and bring him to this time. And bring yeah, him it's... here. Who says they yeah. can't go through the portal with me? Yeah. Um, and then for um, Sadie, I thought, why not swing for the fences? Florence Pugh's real hot right now. Ooh. If I get her locked in back then, we don't even know she exists yet, but I'll get her locked in. And then for the yellow card man, I chose Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, he'd be great. Yeah. And you get Olivia Wilde directing. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be world. great. And then we can have you all know? the drama behind the scenes. And, be like, and then the headlines will come out and be like, you know, uh, Olivia Wilde uh, didn't actually fire Marlon Brando. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, asked him to stay like, on. Do that word. Was that you, Mike? It was just during that. Tweet. You, you were just tweeting like celebrities, celebrities, <laughs> just in high, in hashtags. Yeah, yeah it's because, they're just you know, like us. They, 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 we live in a they're fun just time like right us. now. Where Stars. That's our, the currency is uh, just uh, billionaires. Um, honestly, though, I was not super interested in seeing "Don't Worry, Darling," and now I have to see "Don't Worry, Darling." I, so I, did I'm they succeed? Have to, I think it actually did. They yeah. Succeeded. yeah, they did. I saw. I I saw a preview for it. I uh, went to the movies the other night, and I was like. I, I don't know. I thought the preview looked kind of cool. Divorced yeah. from all the rest of the it's stuff. It's probably going to be yeah, a great. I um, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, so, all right. So my choice is uh, I'm sticking to the 50s. I'm going the running man, which is funny that you went the Bachman route also, Randall. Um, when you when you were saying that, I was like, oh, God, he's going to pick a running man. But I, I said running man is old school sci-fi adventure. And this is going to save his life because uh, James Dean He's going to be a starring role, and he's going to realize that he likes to run instead of uh, drive. And wow. uh, so we'll, <laughs> it's going to save his life. And we won't get into that motorcycle. Won't get into the motor- motorcycle. I think it was a motorcycle. It was a motorcycle. Oh, no, it's a, a car accident. Car. It was a car accident. Yeah. Um, it's going to be directed by Howard Hawks and Pure Exploitation I, I, of that era, which will be it'll be a fun. I actually think the running man would probably work better in that era than it would now. So um, I agree. Randall. Yeah. Take number five. Next one. Yeah. Hunter Spurlock says, "We know how much time we know how much the time he grew up in impacts his work, but how do we think King's work would have changed if he were born in the 1980s or 90s?" My answer: uh, He would have been so overwhelmed by popular culture, he would never have written a book. He would have just started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, and we wouldn't have started a podcast for sure. I mean, I just don't think we'd have a ubiquitous celeb, you know, Hollywood or not Hollywood, a blockbuster author like he is now. I mean, because I mean, we've talked about it all the time. He came in at the right place at the right time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's only other. Well, and also, if you think about the time, like the a major part of the 50s and 60s was like the illusion of safety 
but also all the while like the cold war is happening so like the Mm -hmm. illusion of safety but actually like everyone's paranoid everyone's crazy and that illusion was disappearing so fast in the 70s and 80s and like with the vietnam war and like riots and terrorist attacks and all of a sudden we had serial killers but the thing is is like all those things existed in the 50s and 60s but there was this such like no it doesn't not where we live like not in our Mm -hmm. cul-de-sac and in the 70s and 80s and 90s, like, you couldn't escape it in your cul-de-sac because your parents were watching the news. And so, and, like, children were all of a sudden, their pictures were being put on milk cartons. Like, the illusion of safety was slowly disappearing. And so, like, you know, the whole theme that he has throughout a lot of his work of like loss of innocence i feel like a lot of us never got the innocence (laughs) so we couldn't lose it yeah i think that's very i think that's very apt yeah so i don't know I, i don't think and one thing i thought of too is like the sense of community he has a lot in a lot of his works um storm of the century like just the sense of like the whole whole towns like coming together or like even like it with like whole groups of children like i didn't really have that yeah yeah growing up like Like at all and i lived in a small town and we didn't have that sense of community i don't think that i don't know that's a very special part of his works and you don't have it if you were born in the yeah yeah i feel like we've talked about like salem's lot like that is a story that could only really be told in an, in a time when small towns really could be yeah. isolated like that. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like the whole nature. And I think the, uh, general, um, portrait of small towns, like really evolved in the time from when he was born to, you know, the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Anything else? Caffrey? I think you guys said it all. All I don't right, I think profound well, to say about it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> no, I, just, I, was, I was trying to think. I'm like, yeah, like I could, I could. I don't want to just spin my wheels and say something uh, that that's not true. But no, I, I think that I agree with all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, who wants uh, number six, Ashley? Just to sign. I think it's someone. my turn. Yeah. Um, this comes Maybe. in from Damian Keeley. Damien says, like Jen, I mostly listen rather than reread King's books these days as my old eyeballs ain't what they used to be. (laughs) Some of the narrators and accompanying music can really add an extra tone to them. Any thoughts on covering some of the best ones on a future episode and maybe interview some of the narrators? Hey. We've... we kicked it around. I'm not an audiobook guy at all, so I've I, never I, listened I to no, one. I've never. I mean, I've yeah, tried, I, and I haven't been able to get into it. I like to I, read. I listened to William Golding reading Lord of the Flies. That's the only one I've done because I was obsessed with that book as a kid. I just wanted to hear what he had to say about. It. But yeah, what about Mike and Randall? About you guys? He, I did the Stephen Weber a little bit when we were doing it, and I, you know, at, at that time, it had only been like two or three years since I finished it um, beforehand. So it was rereading it. Was like, all right, I got to listen to the audiobook, and the, the Weber one's great. Um, but I just, I, I, I find it hard for me to listen to audiobooks because I lose place of where I'm at. I get distracted by things. Um, even when I've, it's not like a podcast where I feel like I'm involved in a conversation where with the audiobook you have to dream up a world. So if I'm doing something, I just, I can't paint the world in my head. So I just don't know if it's for me. Um, but, uh, Randall, do you, I mean, you listen to audiobooks all the time though, right? I feel like when you're driving, no, I, no. only, only one audiobook. 
was Revival. Okay. Which read by David Morse and the great delivery of sweater nubbins. Mm. That was um, <laughs> the best audiobook experience. But uh, but I will say it's I'm certainly not opposed to them. I just don't. I'm like you, Mike. I don't think I have. I don't think that's m- the best way for me to absorb content. And I. Uh, but I do like the idea of like talking to some of the narrators. Yeah, I think that oh, could totally. be really cool. Yeah, that's like, awesome. Even, even if we just did, we could somehow do like a roundtable. I don't know, I, like get like three or four of them on one up. Because Morris was like Jen, Jen. I mean, he, he talked about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Jen yeah, yeah. knows because I feel like when whenever Jen's on and we talk about audiobooks, she doesn't just know the celebrities that do them. She knows like people who are known for doing that yeah. specifically, yeah. and known for doing King books specifically. So. Um, well, I, I know, know like the a... guy who I know the guy who did Fairy Tale also did later, mm, and um, yeah. a, a lot of people like Flieger said he listened to the Fairy Tale audiobook and said it's really good. Oh yeah, and, did, um, yeah, like books too. Yeah, yeah, like, like we... Flieger and Jen like them. So I mean, I I definitely feel like there is a place for that uh, on the podcast. Like I feel like that's perhaps a place we've neglected. I'd love to actually talk to some of the people do... who have done them. Yeah. Do you ever wonder when we get to? I mean, we. We'll be a while before we're at the end. end not of that King's we're work. not that far away though. I was just doing the math. Well, the other I was day. thinking that I'm like, well, I don't, you know, like, once we get to that, and there's other things we have to cover. Yeah, do we? Do we? We just go back and do <laughs> that dissection. Do all the well, like <laughs> some of the biggest books really, that we have coming up. Yeah. I mean, like like Lisi's story and Doctor Sleep are huge books, and we covered them. Um, so those are episodes we already have in the back, and you know. Yeah, I did the ne- I did the math. I think next year will be it, what's actually kind of cool is that for the 60th anniversary, I think we'll be at 112263 in November, which would be kind of cool. Um, oh, that's oh in November. Oh, and it's in November too. Which yeah. Is cool. So it's yeah. the. I mean, it, it, that so that would be neat to be there. So that kind of means we'll we'll be around that area around that time if we ended up doing. A really stuck to the book a month sort of thing which you know how we never do so um you know we'll <laughs> see but it would be cool to kind of meet that 60th anniversary but like if that's the case then that means that i, have, I feel like we'd only have like a year in it like a half to catch up on because the the next year after that it's like we're hitting upon a lot of books that we've already covered also in patreon so um i don't know it's exciting i mean i think like the idea of going back in doing some of these like audiobooks and having these spe- kind of special tangents where we could actually talk at large about, you know, without having to worry about spoilers and stuff would be fun. But, um, yeah, you know, or we could just do Coons cast. I know. Right. Just pivot <laughs> over there. Um, Coons probably has more books than King. I would imagine. Oh, know. absolutely. Um, well, Caffrey, uh, take All right. the next question, which is seven. Number lucky, seven, lucky right? Number seven. Lucky number eleven. Uh, lucky number eleven. Uh, Never Josh. saw that. I always got that and kiss, kiss, bang, bang confused. I think I saw kiss, kiss. Bang, I think the bang, general bang, public was... did too, which is why both movies yeah. didn't do well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a, it was a real uh, ants bug life, bugs life deep impact Armageddon situation. Yeah. <laughs> Only one could come out on top. A real uh, the girl and Hitch situation. A real yeah. uh, in cold blood and Capote <laughs> situation. No, wait, uh, no. No, what that's was the, right. What was the, God damn it, Dan! Just read the question. No, what was the Truman Capote? <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was. It, it, it was. It was uh, Capote, and then I believe it's the. Uh, I think it's yeah, it's infamous. infamous yeah, Toby yeah. Jones got so. screwed over twice because he then he was like, oh, yeah. maybe I'll do Hitchcock, and then Anthony Hopkins beat him to that. So it's just like, uh, so he said, well, I'll do the Mist instead. Yeah, well, hey, it worked out. Man, he's but... great in that. Ollie, yeah, he is. He's awesome. Man. All right, Bill Bradley says. Given the lack of alter directors for King films, pick one director and one King property you would like to see them bring to life or reboot. Well, we talked a little bit about that, right? Because we said we just earlier said how we don't have a lot of auteurs yeah. who had come to yeah. it. Well, I'm trying to think of. I had my druthers. I mean, like, no holds barred. What director would I want to see do it? 
I like David Lowry a lot. I um, love Lowry. God, I love Lowry. Honestly, he'd be good for fairy tale. Now that I'm thinking about well, it, and he, yeah. I think he would. Yeah. Did he'd probably distill it a bit more and just lean into the visuals. Um, It'd probably be like a 45 minute scene where he's, uh, you know, walking through, uh, you know, walking to the, the horse girl that, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> you haven't read the oh, book. Oh, no, no, you know, I know who I would do. Andrew Dominic kick us off with a gunslinger. I don't care if they do an HBO miniseries or, or just want to do a one-off gunslinger movie. I feel like he would do a really good job just making it a cool Western. I still haven't watched the one with Idris Elba in it. Um, that's my off the cuff choice uh randall what about you though uh i just want somebody to do needful things like really well Hmm. and uh i don't know i was just i was thinking like who are directors that i consistently like and uh and also ones that i think have a really dark sense of humor that because obviously you know king made needful things as a comedy and a lot of people don't see it as that and that makes him mad and so i'm like who could capture that really dark absurdist but then also play up the violence and the acrimony and i i went with my buddy ari aster i think it could be amazing yeah oh wow oh Oh, he would he would make that like knife fight so i know it would be so good that'd be great yeah yeah. He would give us that dwarf goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Dust off the Beetlejuice prop. Uh, uh, Ashley, what about you? Well, um, I it's a short story that I, I really love, and I really think it would be a terrifying movie. Um, more of a drama, I think, than a horror, but um, this story really got under my skin when I read it in Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Do you guys remember the end of the whole mess? Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's about... That's about Castle Rock, right? <sighs> um, it's uh, it's the one where is it Castle Rock? I don't no, maybe think I'm it's wrong. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of it grows on you. Mm. Yeah. The, oh. the whole mess. Which one is that? That's the that one where the guy know. um is is writing from his point of view about his brother, who was always a genius, and and how he found uh, a, a town in Texas with zero violent crime. Oh, and that's right. He and the so brother is fascinated kind of... by it, and uh, and he finds that it's something in the water that that naturally calms the residents calms the animals there's no crime here and as you like go further and further out from this small texas town the crime starts to grow and he finds that it's in the water and and the brother goes and um attempts to uh deliver this serum this water to the whole world without realizing that um, the reason it calms you is that it, it actually brings on early onset dementia. Oh, that's right. And, <laughs> and it doesn't cause like the apocalypse essentially pretty, pretty much. much. I mean, the story, the reason it was so frightening and terrifying to me is that the, the person writing the story, the guy who, the, the uh, narrator is starting slowly yeah. to lose it. And he's starting to misspell things and forget things and having to get back on track. And by the end, it's a complete, garbled mess you can't even understand it and it it stuck with me for so many years and i would love to see that in a movie and i here's the thing about the director i just feel like this is a very selfish choice because i'm ready for a new movie but i wanted to say spike jones because i think the point of view and everything too yeah he's really great at imagining alternate timelines like different realities that are our reality but like just a little bit different like her is like our reality but like mm-hmm. it's just slightly in the future and like being john malkovich is our reality but it's just slightly weird <laughs> like mm-hmm. ceilings are low you know what i mean so i think spike jones could make something really cool yeah you that's could, uh, cast 
have Ron Livingston re uh, reprise his role because that's in the Nightmares and Dreamscapes series. I Are you swear to God, me, I own Nightmares and Dreamscapes. I'm about to go punish myself <laughs> and watch the whole fucking thing. I've it's never watched good. it because it, it's so bad. Yeah, is he, is Henry Thomas in that? Yes. Are they making that yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, it's Henry I've Thomas. Never, I just Lundgren. remember that. Is it good? I was going to say, is it good? No. That's no. 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 I mean, they're both great actors, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it, uh, yeah. Henry I'm Thomas. Mike, how about you? I'm just repeating. Lot, <laughs> I'm repeating uh, ones I've done before, like Paul Thomas Anderson. I wanted to do a Duma Key. I just think he would be great. I think he's would be a perfect match. As we but saw. Do, you don't like Duma Key very much. I, I, but I think right. he could elevate it a little bit and give it. I also that's need to revisit true. Duma Key because it's been since, I don't know, I was in grad school. It's and good, just man. Didn't have patience I, I like that one. Um, but I just think he would. I don't know. I think you could do a uh, add some real depth to it, and you also can do the uh, beach thing. Well oh, from absolutely! Advice and the and master. master too. So um, I'm excited yeah. for that. But uh, also excited for this next question from our, our our man Jeffrey Clutterbuck, local listener. Actually, he asks: overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite acting performances from the King Renaissance. I fucking love this question. I wish that we had it for the King Renaissance episode, but we got it here, so this is good. I'm gonna kick it off real quick because I'm selfish. Um, <laughs> I said so. Overrated, and this is. I want to just kick it off with a hot take. Overrated's Bill Hader. I think he's. I think he's fine. Oh, I think he's. I agree. I, I we were all so excited. But the thing I is, think. you know, and he's definitely probably the best part of it, Chapter Two. But if I'm being fair, I think he also pushes the movie's tone around a lot more than it needs to be. And I think that's probably some of the problems with the movie is that it's you know, having to cater to a guy that they know is really good and funny. And I think everyone tries to match a hater a lot through the movie um, and no one's able to really rein it in. So that's my overrated. Um, my underrated, Idris Elba is rolling. I think he's fucking great. I don't think he gets enough praise because the movie's buried. Um, and I yeah. think he's really good. And if I said, I still, you know, hold now is that I still want, we wanted the sequel because I wanted to see him be rolling in that role. And I thought he was fucking great. Um, Favorite's predictable. It's Thomas Jane, 1922. I think it's his best role boy, he's oh ever boy. done. He's fucking phenomenal in that movie. Um, and I tie it kind of with the kids of it because I think it's it's wild that they managed to nail every kid in that movie, and they're they're awesome. Um, and my least favorite is uh, <laughs> the entire cast of the Miss TV series. So um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know what? I did not watch that. Was there it, any redeeming qualities to the no, TV no, show? None. And it is none. part of the Renaissance Great. because we decided to include eleven twenty two sixty three, which means that the, the it starts in 2016 includes perfect Miss TV. Oh, that's before and, the Mist, yeah. Because uh, that's right. what I had chosen. I was I for the least favorite and underrated. I I was like, I don't know if I have any crazy opinions here. I feel like everyone that I feel was overrated or yeah. my least favorite is pretty much how everyone else felt. Well, give but, the whole list. Give the whole rundown. Yeah, I I kind of put them together as like okay. least favorite and and um overrated. I I don't know how many people felt about this, but I thought James Franco was horrible casting for Jake and Most 11, people, yeah, I think a lot of custom readers. It just yeah. did not work for me. I like him, I guess. I mean, he's a bit of a creep, but like his performances, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, for example. Yeah, he's great. Like, <laughs> but it doesn't quite make it for me because he's supposed to be this like brilliant scientist and it just doesn't work. I yeah. think his performances in like Pineapple Express and the disaster artists are incredible, but when he has to be like an intellectual, I just don't like almost get it. Like a regular person, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, a little too 
I don't know if he's too well. I was going to well, say well. Johnny Depp has that cute, problem too. Like Johnny Depp yeah. can never be just a regular guy, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it just doesn't work. But favorite. Um, I know the movies are a big deal, but I think King Television is kind of where it's at in the Renaissance, and I can't get over how much I loved Brendan Gleeson as Detective mm, Hodges and yeah. Ben oh, Mendelsohn so as Ralph Anderson and oh, the Outsider. Ben so good. Uh, so good. And it was so cool to have the two different interpretations of Holly Gibney that were like vastly different, but still pretty interesting, like mm-hmm. both of them. So I, I thought those were killer, and I, I really wish more of the films would take notes from the... It- successful television <laughs> like who is better me or brennan gleason is hodges come on oh, that, <laughs> is true. Rock, that is true <laughs> that is true <laughs> i'm just kidding uh who's just your kidding. overrated did you have it overrated or did you did you uh no the the least favorite and overrated okay, you were, just kept was the, okay. both james james franco and then favorite and underrated okay <laughs> i like that i like hodges that. and and uh ben mendelson okay cool cool cool, yeah. cool um randall Mike, you said a few of mine. I mean, overrated. I was gonna say hater too. Really? I love. Wow. Okay. I love hater. I thought it was but... going off of a deep end for this one. I was like, well, I remember just being annoyed before the movie because it's just it was classic like hyperbole culture. Yeah. Like people were saying he should win an Oscar. I know. For chapter God. two, and I was like, calm down. Like he's fine. And so it's uh, so I think that's why I say overrated. I think he's fine, but I agree with everything you said. And it's funny, actually. I was gonna say underrated. I was gonna say Brendan Gleeson and Mr. Mercedes because I think he's fantastic in it. I and didn't hear I, enough I, praise for him, and I just well, nobody was, watched it. That's you true. Know? Yeah, that's true. How could we? And, what yeah. streaming service exactly. was it on? audience yeah audience well now it's on peacock it but is. that's that's how I'm it's funny because that's literally like the least popular streaming service so yeah. nobody's ever it's going a to solid see it. streaming service though and if you tune in next month you can go back to haddonfield and see my uh, see our, the scariest <laughs> man alive Hell michael yeah. myers is uh he ends halloween i hear um, he's finally gonna die you know evil <laughs> dies yeah it's gonna end yeah. never that's gonna come back uh well all right so what about least did you have a least uh favorite least favorite um I, I kind of was, was, it's funny because I initially, I missed the King Renaissance part of it. So I was like, of course, writing down like, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jared Blanchard as Henry Powers. <laughs> but, uh, cause I love him or Shawnee Smith as Julie Lowry in the Stan miniseries. But uh, so speaking of the Stan though, I will say my favorite is, uh, Owen Teague yeah. as, as Harold Lauder. Bastard, I think he's stole fantastic. It. No, you can have it too. And then least favorite, uh, I don't know, everyone else in it. Chapter two. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's my that makes answer. sense. Caffrey round us out. All right. So, you know, I, I know not this shit isn't like dunking on Bill Hader because I do think he's very good in it. But I think it's what y'all were saying. It was annoying. because Here's the thing. He's very good, but I don't know if he is so far ahead of the rest of the cast. I also no. am in it to apologists. And I don't think the I don't think the adult cast is horrible by any means. Like, yeah, Bill Hader's the strongest for sure. But it was like they were talking about about it like. He was Lawrence Olivier, and the rest of them were like the cast of the Jersey Shore. I feel like that's so yeah. for real. Like it was ridiculous, um, and I don't think the. the I, I wish Ronnie think... Ronnie played like adult Ronnie. <laughs> Ronnie, it's like I mean he's Ben's like a hunk in that movie, right? So yeah, um, but I, I do like Bill Hader a lot. But I, I agree. I think this happens a lot. I mean, the, the same thing with when Halloween Twenty Teen came out. Everyone's like Jamie Lee Curtis for the Oscar. I, I love, she's great in Halloween Twenty Teen, but I. I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, hey, the, listen to our Halloween more episode. Like, more I like where like I plug give it. Give me a Razzie for uh, the. With <laughs> <laughs> the second movie, we fight. We always fight. Anyway. Yeah. Um, when she was like speaking like a Twitter account. Yeah, it was fun. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, un- yeah. Un- underrated. I Look, I, 
I, this is a little bit of a cop because I just think this movie is underrated. I'm going to say the whole cast of the Pet Cemetery remake. I, now, granted, I, I gave that movie an A minus when I saw it, maybe a little bit too high of a grade. I think I got caught up in some of the South by Southwest opening night hype. That being said, I think it is a very frightening remake, and I actually think it's a bold take on the source material. And I, unlike the I, the, the first movie's better, obviously, but I do think it leans into this idea of having to explain death to your children in a way that the old movie doesn't, which I really like about it. And you I know think who's that, great in that is uh, Amy, Amy Simetz. Like she's fucking. Oh, she's awesome. Incredible. Yeah, I, I think the yeah. whole cast is. I think I really think they're they're excellent. Um, I understand why it maybe isn't as iconic as the original, but I was really surprised that the reception for that movie wasn't a little bit better because I was very taken by it. And I, I wa- I've watched it since the hype died down. And go okay. Did I need to get an A minus? Maybe not, but B plus for sure. And I, I, I admire that it was doing something different with kind of reassigning the role of what happens to Gage. And once again, I think it. I actually feel the complexity of having to have the grief slash death conversation with your kid way more in that movie than I do the old one. Um, and then uh, Fabia, Owen Teague, Harold Lauder. Uh, I, if nothing else, I love that the stand main series exists for that, and then also from the stand <laughs> loose babe. Um, all right, but my least favorite is also from the stand and. Uh, I know their casting did result in one of my favorite bits from this podcast, which intersects with transform the transformers, in the movie. Um, but that is Ezra Miller as trash can man. Uh, I, I, we were on the fence about how their performance was when we first watched it. We appreciate the big swing. We appreciate they were doing something with it. I think that performance and what they do in that movie does, uh, it's colored in a little bit different light depending on what's happened since then. And also I think just now that we've watched the entire series, I think they are kind of the epitome of, it going over the top in all oh, the yeah. wrong ways and yeah. it getting all Vegas completely ways, yeah. wrong. It, it, it was entertaining to discuss. And like I said, we wouldn't get excuse me, excuse me uh, without excuse it. But me. yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to go with Ezra Miller. It just, it just seems to embody all the issues. And I do think it's funny that they got rid of Marilyn Manson, but then brought them on board. Granted, all that stuff wasn't out yet at that time. Yeah, it's right. just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a black spot on what's a, what it's already a, um, a, Flawed miniseries to say. Well, I, least, I, I, think. I have to imagine the producers of that miniseries probably had an ulcer uh, while yeah, making seriously. that. But uh, yeah, I felt yeah. I, it, there's some really good stuff in it. I mean, we talked about yeah. Antigua. We, I mean, they're, they're, they do some things so right, and there's some, such interesting choices in it. But yeah, it like it was a bummer too because of the timing it ended up happening with the pandemic. I, I was like ready for it. I'm like, oh, this is so cool to get a stand during a pandemic. But um. Anyway, yeah. You know I, actually, were you a fan of, of the miniseries? I know it was before you came on the show. Or, uh, Here's the, the thing. I just watched or read The Stand for the first time during the pandemic. Oh, interesting. And I have not watched either miniseries yet. Ooh. And I plan on watching them both. Uh, that is so exciting. It's super exciting. I was which planning on doing do f- it next month. What are you going to do first? Yeah, which one should I do first? So You guys are the experts. You've so seen them both. I- I had a similar experience or experiment here okay. this past weekend. So Confess Fletch just came out. Right. And I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of the, the, the original books, but I'm a huge fan of the original movie. And mm-hmm. Sammy wanted to watch, uh, you know, the movie, the both of them. And so I showed her Confess Fletch first, and then we watched the original one. Um, okay. And she said that she was happy, because even though she prefers the Chevy Chase one, she liked it, um, you know, she likes it more. She said that she still really enjoyed the the John Hamm one and probably wouldn't have had that same feeling if she had watched the Chevy Chase one first. So I'm wondering okay. if if you watch the 2021, you'll have this the, the, the 2020, 2021 first and then go to the 94 one. 
you'll have a similar effect where you'll be like, ah, oh, I actually enjoyed the 2021 more and then, or not more, but at, more than I would have would if have. I didn't watch the 94 one before. Yeah, I would say do that okay. just so we I'll can report back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we want to have that. That's great. We're selfish The, the new about one's this. way longer, right? Or which one's longer? Oh, it's way longer. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Two hours longer, and yet they the, they probably the ninety four one's long, but it's weirdly watchable. At least yeah. I think it is. I mean, granted, we saw it when we were like nine years old, but uh, um, that's great. Yeah. I, I still love that ninety four one. I, I think yeah, it, we all do. It's dated, but there's some really good. I'm I mean, okay it, with dated stuff. I mean, I just yeah. started watching. I've never seen Storm of the Century. I just started it two oh, nights Storm ago, of the Century's and great. I, I've never I seen it either. Actually, it. yeah. it's, on Hulu. it's on Hulu now. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, Randall, number nine. Yeah. Um. From Dave Musson. We're just under two years away from the 50th anniversary of Carrie's publication. What would be top of your wish list for King to release in 2024 to celebrate it? Uh, my answer is very simple. It is a the Rage Carrie 2 novelization. Oh, <gasps> shit. I love the Rage Carrie wow. 2. <laughs> that, would be, that would be such a Does, flex. Do, do any of you have a better answer? I, I, I have actually one. have a serious <laughs> okay. answer. Has anyone ever read S, the Ship of Theseus book? No. no. Okay, so, so it was a novel written by, I had to write this down because I didn't know, written by Doug Dorst, and J.J. Abrams did something with it. I don't know if he, like, he, like, produced it, basically, put it together. It's a story within a story, and it's a pretty fine mystery. I liked it, but within the pages, there were a ton of, like, notes, photographs, postcards, um, things like that, newspaper clippings shoved within the pages of the book. So it's oh, literally neat. like a... Um, I don't know, it's an interactive sort of way. And I thought that because Carrie was written using a series of like newspaper articles, it would be really cool to re-release Carrie. And instead of just having the newspaper articles as part of the text, put them in the book where you can like pull them out and read the newspaper article oh, and then God, read the story. God, that'd be so cool. Oh, uh, that's cool. I and love that. And then you could even, there was another book I read that was really fantastic called Night Film where it was a mystery as well and parts of it were like you could go to a website and like kind of like look at the research they were fake pages obviously but look at the research that the the guy trying to solve the mystery was looking at so you could even do some of the newspaper clippings as news reports where it's like today you know frogs rained or like whatever like oh, the that'd little, be so fucking cool it would be so cool to do like an interactive sort of carry i don't know yeah collection i love it that is so much better. Like, I can't even tell you how apples to oranges <laughs> your answer is to mine, in which I said he releases- What's a- like, so, oh, sell, sell uh, fake pig's blood. No, he, no, mine is simply, he releases a paperback copy with a silver sticker that says 50th anniversary edition. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, uh, unbelievable juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, th- your version, like that is- I that has to happen. <laughs> I would like, pay that, like, good money for that. Yeah, because I mean, the girl who loved Tom Gordon pop up is fucking gorgeous, and it would be awesome to have a Carrie one to go with that. There would be yeah. some similar, some symmetry there too. Um, take the next question. Okay, number ten, Emily Winter. Emily says, "Is anyone with me on this King didn't write fairy tale totally alone thing? Something smells in that book. I'm telling you guys, I've got a few angles of what it might be, but sincerely, there's definitely other hands in this pie. Please tell me that this will be talked about on the book episode. I'm not crazy." 
I like Tabby. I like that you keep getting these questions that are very like uh, conversational. Like, (laughs) like Ashley's been getting all of these, which has been awesome. Um, I like to embody my. uh... Character. I like it, and you've been getting the best questions for this for sure. Um, uh, Randall, when you have you been following this on on Discord? Like everyone's been like, there were there was a stretch where everyone was talking about this, and I didn't, you know, I guess it wasn't that deep into the book yet. But um, I don't know. It, what do you? I missed. I haven't seen the okay. that discourse, but I'm very intrigued by it. We all know I love a good conspiracy theory. Love it. So I am going to be. Uh, I'm going to be as I finish this book and prepare my notes for the episode. This is something I will be thinking about very deeply. I, I will say this is um, having recently finished the book, the fir- most of the first bit of it does really feel like King to me, especially all the stuff with yeah. the, with Mr. Bowditch and his dad, that all feels very much out of the world of King. I would say the first half of the going, what's the land called? Elris? It's or Ellis, something? right? Or Ellis. Ellen. That feels all very Kingian Ellen? to me. There's a thing. Degenerous? <laughs> Degenerous, yeah. <laughs> Degenerous. But it was funny because I remember when y'all talked to him, he had he had mentioned how oh fairy tale is his riff on the books of Robert E. Howard, who wrote Conan the Barbarian, who's the guy who created that. And for most of the book, I'm like, what is he talking about? Like these are all riffs on just classic, fa- well known fairy tales. I'm not seeing any any of the Conan things he mentioned, any of the Robert E. Howard things he can he mentioned. There's a point. I think everyone's at this point. So spoiler alert, if you're not reading fairy tale yet, I mean, this isn't that big of a a spoiler. There's a point where the main character gets captured. And then there's a big stretch to me where the book just wildly changes. It kind of goes into some of the lore I was talking about earlier. And it does suddenly feel like a Conan, the barbarian book. And I, and I didn't disjointed. Is that why she's feeling that way? That's what, that's what I was going to say, because I didn't necessarily think someone else had written it, but I, uh, I said to myself, oh, this is what he meant when he said the Ro- it's this Robert E. Howard riff. He was suddenly all of a sudden going from Hansel and Gretel and Rumpelstiltskin or whatever to Conan the Barbarian, which it does feel weird because though, even though I guess they're all in the fantasy genre, those are two very different things, at least to me. Like yeah. working with archetypal fairy tales versus this uh, sword and sandals saga kind of thing. So um, I, I never thought that it was... Um, written by another author per se and i don't know king i just king need that i feel like he's pretty honest when he has collaborators i, I don't um, think he could do it. i don't even think he could do it like i don't think uh, so either yeah just logistically when he and he and honestly too because the that section i'm talking about feels very unedited in the way that no one says no to him you know so for me i wonder if that suspicion is coming from the fact that it just has a big pivot and that feels disjointed and then by the end of it I, end of it i do think it gets back to king in the last stretch but um and yeah and i don't dislike the um that pivot, it just does come kind of out of nowhere. And it, it it's like dream. I feel like dream catchers like that too. There's so many of his books that just take a big left turn. Yeah. And, and you're um, like, wait, yeah. what story am I reading? I thought mm-hmm. I was exactly. reading this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he so, like took a bunch of painkillers during yeah, was the he on last, Oxy? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's like, he's like time to get some of that old magic back. <laughs> they're, they're all, all right. They're all, they're all, all dusty right. though. Yeah. Tabby's like, yeah. Steven, don't do it. You remember Dreamcatcher? You don't like that book anymore. Oh. Yeah. Well, Emily, now we're going to go. I will t- indulge, Emily, I will <laughs> indulge your conspiracy on the uh, episodes. Um, um, yeah. If these guys won't. So, well, I, it's an interesting, you know, I think there, there was a big discussion on the Discord about it, you know, and we'll have an even bigger one for sure. But I, I do think that, I don't know, I, I just don't think he could stomach doing a, a thing like this. I think Grisham could. 
I think John Grisham would definitely do it in a heartbeat. And I'm, I guarantee I'm sure Grisham's books are being ghostwritten. Oh, and they're just 100%. using his name at this point. I just, I just can't see him doing it. I mean, I think the the furthest he'd go is if he had like Joe like doing something. But I, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, who's next? Is this Caffrey? Caffrey, you're next, or yeah, sure, I'll take it. All right, so we uh, we have. Oops, sorry, I had my work email open for a second. From uh, I, I I can't read about mattresses uh, to these people. Okay, well, all right, here we go. Uh, number eleven is from Alex Harper. Uh, do you think <laughs> it's a great question? Uh, do you think this is all you, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so I'll, I'll read it how I say it. Do you th- do you think Cuthbert is pronounced Cuthbert or Cuthbert, and is Deshane uh, pronounced Deshane or? Deshane or Deschain. We're talking about the Dark Tower. Uh, in King's narration of Went Through the Keyhole, he uses the latter pronunciations, but most people I've talked to pronounce the names the prior way, even about even other audiobook narrators. Alex, you're exactly right. As I spoiled just now, I say it like Cuthbert and Deshane, not Cuthbert or Deschain. I've never actually met anyone who says those latter interpretations, but hey, if King, uh, hey, look, King's the master. If he says it, we have to. If he <laughs> says it, it goes. But but once again, he does, you know, he retcons things all the time. Same with Talisman and that. So, you know, I say say it however the hell you want to say it. it. You know, one of my favorite bands is Ockerville River. And for the longest time, I always said Ockerville River. Sam. And then I Sam. found out it's Ockerville because it's named after a real river. Um, But I know Will Chef, the frontman, is cool with people saying either. And I, I expect King would be the same way about his characters. What if he uh, knifed his fans if he said Ocker, you know, like over and over? It's like, fuck you. Yeah, he's like, um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny because uh, he has a solo album coming out and it's unclear whether Ockerville River is even a thing still. So who, who knows? Uh-huh. You know, I, I say, say it how you want to say it, Alex, but yeah, I, I say it Cuthbert and I say Deshane. Look, he looks like he's on Ockerville River without a paddle. Um, <laughs> you know. um, I'm going to take number 12. Um, Chris Cameron. What are some moments from King's books that you think are unadaptable to other forms of media? And I just realized this, he says some moments and not books. So uh, I fucked up this answer when I wrote it. So uh, I'll, I'll defer over to Randall. Randall, what are some of your uh, moments that you don't think that they could ever bring? Uh, well, I guess, yeah, the way I interpret it is could only exist on the page. Uh, yeah. And the first one is the child orgy from it. That's the one mm. I had. I was like, I yeah. don't know if this is low hanging fruit, but we've had two adaptations, and like, it's the obvious one. Yeah. But according to Machete, he he says that the Coke bottle scene is kind of the the embodiment of that, right? Like, so could you argue he is adapting it in a weird way? Like, yeah, uh, but you don't see, yeah. you know. A, well, I'm not. I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> well, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. Child sexual orgy. Yeah. Relations. yeah. 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 Um, not true. the sentiment behind it. Yeah. Well, and I've always <laughs> yeah. been pretty, not like a defender of that scene, but a lot of people rage about that ha- having never read right. it. Yeah. So they're Mal like, defense. oh, but did you know he has a child origin? I'm like, yeah, but it makes, it does make sense mm-hmm. when you're reading the it story. Does, yeah. And yeah. it doesn't yeah. even play as like a, a or an orgy kind of. It's very no. loving. It's very tender. It's a very um uh important moment but it is still a child orgy so yeah <laughs> ha- how do you put that into there are multiple children having sex in film it. yeah. yeah i feel like the most mel, like mel, uh, just... mel defends that too right i feel like mel is, yeah like, is oh yeah. yeah i mean i get why it's in just... there I, yeah it doesn't bother me as yeah as a teenage girl reading it i i didn't feel any sort of you know you get enough of the sexual predatory vibes from from Bev's father you don't Mm -hmm, you don't get the predatory vibes in in that scene it's it's very it's very well done and I think that Mm -hmm. 
if you do want to say something about it, read the book, and then you can complain about exactly. Well, that's yeah. it's like everything with outrage. Sometimes it's like no one mm-hmm. even watches the thing, and they go. Well, and, yeah. You know, I mean, people you know about rage about stand-up comedians' jokes without having watched the special. It's like so yeah, yeah. Take a nap. Yeah, hundred percent. I, 100%. I yeah. was. Uh, I was also gonna say I was gonna say the ritual of chud or like the the I, and by that I mean the tying the tongues together and telling jokes until you bite off the other uh, being's tongue. I don't know how you would yeah yeah do I don't that. Think any of those hyper mystical endings. Yeah. Like I think about the end of the Needful Things book as well, yeah. which I won't necessarily <laughs> spoil. I mean, but it's like it's very it's very much just like he didn't know what to do, so magic. You yeah. know what right. I mean? Which is fine. I I still. You know, I don't mind that necessarily, but I remember the end of Needful Things is kind of just like a, it just feels kind of like a deus ex machina almost. And it's very mystical and it's very kind of undefined in a lot of ways. So, um, so yeah, I think a lot of those kind of moments would be hard. And then I think as much as I would love to see another Tommyknockers adaptation, I do not think it could ever make the transition from page to screen because it is just too fucking silly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it, but what if, it is too silly. What if using your argument about the, the non-mystical, you know, or the mystical moments being unadaptable, what if they did just <laughs> go the the needful things route from 93 and just have replace all the mystical moments just said yelling at Harris just like in the middle of the streets <laughs> and it's like, oh, we must prefer the ritual of Chud. What are you doing? You gotta kill this goddamn <laughs> clown. Um, you know, anyway, (laughs) what about, I I don't want to, we haven't gotten in this book yet, so I won't say exactly what it is, but the ending of under the dome, which I like, but a lot of people take issue with, um, I'll say football heads. That's all I'll say. That would be interesting. You could do it, but it would be very Richard Mathis and Twilight Zone-ish. The, the ending. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, the jaunt, the whole thing doesn't work for me. It, it, even just the moment for it, you just, I just don't see how you adapt that, that, that thing. Cause it's so. It's so cerebral and it's so, um, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's like, it's like trying to adapt like a textbook in a weird way, Hmm. you know, like, Oh, make a, make biology 101 the movie. Like you wouldn't, you know, it would just be very like a lot of loose definitions and explaining things. And and as we saw with interstellar, like the exposition would just be out of the hand for the John, I feel like. So to the point where you're like, you don't have to explain to me again. Yeah. If I didn't yeah. get it, I'll rewatch it. But then if you but don't explain a, it, then you how are you going to get it? So that's but then a, how hard. do you get yeah. it across? It's a catch-22. Yeah. yeah. I think about 1408. Yeah. Like, I like the movie well enough, but um, the story is is just such a sensory experience mm-hmm. that I don't know if it can exist just, you know, in a picture. I think, the like I said, I'm the upset. I'm like, I think the only person who could really capture the horror of that story is like David Lynch. Oh, yeah. And even yeah. then, probably it's like, it's just such a sensory experience and one that I think has to be ex- almost explicitly explained, you know, in the way that King does in that book. Um, I don't know if those visuals or those sensations can be materialized visually. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, God, we've been on the same wavelength. Today. I had 14 on there too. Um, I, I'm interested to see how Boogeyman plays next year with Rob Savages, because I just feel like, especially after watching like four or five dollar babies, I just don't think anyone's able to capture the horror of that short story. And I think I have a strong feeling that that adaptation is going to be not canceled. like the story. <laughs> yeah. No, like I just don't think it's going to be the story. I think it's going to be an idea from the story that is then is it gonna be like turned the into a separate child's movie. play remake. 
Kind of, yeah. yeah. I don't think that'll. I, it, I think it's it could too be ugly good. of a story to. I love yeah. that story, but it's so ugly. I think it could be good. I I like Rob Savage and everything I've seen from him so far. Dashcam rules, like um, uh, host rules. So I'm yeah. very, I'm looking forward to it, but I don't think it's going to be like a faithful adaptation of the story. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, we talked about that. I think on the Renaissance or one of the episodes recently, where if they you know move ahead or move away and give do some sort of thing with the source material could be kind of fun too so um yeah sure you know it'd be interesting what would be cool is if the boogeyman movie is like the person's like memories of what happened in the story like inform like the return of whatever you know the boogeyman in this yeah. situation i don't know um take number 13 lucky number 13 randall Okay, uh, Tim Vargalish uh, says, if Jeff Foxworthy decided to pivot from redneck bits, does he still do redneck-based comedy? Uh, who I don't knows? know I'm what sure I love doing. this question. <laughs> I, just know he's like a, tour. I just know he's like a venture capitalist because he's on like Shark Tank. But anyways, if Jeff Foxworthy decided to pivot from redneck-based comedy to Stephen King-based comedy by replacing his famous you might be a redneck punchline dude, you might be a constant reader, what would be some of his setups for that punchline? If you think. Do you want to hear the ones I have? Go for it. Hell yeah. If you wear blue chambray shirts, you might be a constant reader. If your Adam's apple bobs like a monkey on a stick, you uh, okay. might be a constant reader. If you dig your fingernails into your palms until they bleed, uh, you might be a constant reader. Those were some of the ones I had. What do you guys have? I had. Um, I, 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 I oh had, God. just because I do this a lot, it's like, uh, like, if you feel the need to take a selfie every time your hotel number has 19 in it, you might be a constant reader. Yeah, see, that's good. Yeah, no, because every time I see 19, I'm like, whoa. But then I'm like, it's not that big a deal. It's a, a common number. Like, <laughs> why, why am I freaking out? Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ashley? Oh, this isn't like super King specific. But if you start a book prepared to lose everyone you love, you might be a constant reader. <laughs> um, because good. there's no telling who's going to die in any given story. If you think I low budget 80s and 90s movie adaptations of Stephen King are thousands of times better than anything made after 2017, you might be a constant. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will watch the trashiest 80s yeah. King movie and enjoy it so much They're more comforting. than yeah. Firestarter. And like, not even like a nostalgia thing. It'll be something I've never seen before that I pop yeah. in and I still enjoy it more than, you know, most of. The recent the vibes yeah. were impeccable. It's what just, about uh, yeah, the vibes? What about just like like if you call your nipples nubbins, you might be a <laughs> reader. Um, I, if you've only seen the horror section of used bookstores, you might be a constant reader. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. If you've ever debated which one's better, the stand or the expanded version of the stand, <laughs> you might be a constant reader. Um, if you and then, like books over a thousand pages long, you might be you a might. Reader. If you get Absolutely. excited for a book that's over a thousand pages long, if, if if your losers club bookmark is on the loofah scene of Pet Cemetery, you might. Be so, um, the lupus. Just, you're just talking yeah. about yourself. Yeah, I, I think call, I'm talking call, about myself. But, uh, I had a Mel, Mel referred to that as an out of this world hand job. I, I think that and, it's crazy. true. Big of you. If you if you read the second ending to the Dark Tower series, even though Stephen King told you not to, <laughs> be a constant. <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. question. Uh, that's a great that's question. A great I, question. I, I, let us know in Discord or wherever else. I feel like this you, you could you could go on and on for all I care. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know this is the type of prompt that I feel like King would like just go off on on Twitter. Like 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, he yeah. loves these jokes. Ashley, go for number 14. Yeah, number 14 was sent by Matt Morris. Matt asks, if King decided to write a third and final Jack Sawyer novel in honor of Peter Straub, which living author would you task with co-writing it with King, and what direction would you want to see it take? I have an answer. I didn't have an answer. George R. R. Martin. Ooh. No. And just what direction? Incest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I hey, did you how about George R. R. Martin and King can help him finish the fucking Game of Thrones that, books. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> that, yeah. that and they can be part of the talisman. <laughs> that clip of George asking Stephen, like, how do you write a book? Uh, I'm still I'll tell working you on writing a book. You, you don't go to conventions. Yeah. You don't write for video Stay games. Uh, I mean, I love George R. R. Martin, but like, come on, dude. Yeah, that's a he, fucking he joke. He doesn't OS. No, you well, know no, he does. Owe us no, at he this does. Point. Sorry, he does. it's it, it's a he fucking does. joke. Sorry, yeah. He's it, he, congratulations, George. Your 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 unfinished series has managed to be surpassed by the fucking IP adaptations. Like it's just it's a joke. They have a fucking spinoff show. Like or don't, a prequel show don't already. Write, don't be the head creative consultant for Meow Wolf. Like I mean, he's done so much stuff that's no, not. It's, anyway, it's, it, does, it doesn't matter. I know, I know. Uh, well, I know a lot of the media will go off and say like, yeah, you're not, you know, you, you, you don't, they don't owe you anything or whatever. And it's just like, shut the fuck yeah, up. This do. is a blockbuster author. You do. Who, 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 who strung along millions of people everywhere. You have this fucking story that you set up. You literally sold the goddamn rights to this story to a, you know, billion dollar corporation and you don't finish the fuck. At least one of the books in ten yeah. fucking years. That's a flop. I'm sorry. It's a flop. You kind of do owe a flop. it. You owe yeah. us. You owe yeah. it. Sorry. I don't. Re- I don't like fantasy, and I don't. I didn't watch much of Game of Thrones. Like I could give a shit less, but he owes. The yeah, it's book. Like it's, it's a joke. It's an absolute. I love joke. George R. R. Martin. I enjoy the Thrones. Uh, I'd love to see him take on the great Jack Sawyer. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think uh, I mean I I really like the Gwendy's books. I mean they're they're not perfect, but they're a lot of fun. And I, he seems to collaborate well with Chismar. I feel like Chismar kind of this is going to sound like such a, a insult toward him. I don't mean it that way, but I feel like he kind of knows when to get out of the way and then also when to bind things together. I, I just feel like they have a good working relationship, so I wouldn't mind seeing that. And hey, his the books are brief too. I think Talisman is way too goddamn long, so I wouldn't mind seeing like a, <laughs> what, a what briefer like? third uh, Sawyer book. What if you brought in like Arl Stein uh, for the the third? Uh, you know, it's like, hey, uh, Arl Stein, write a, a story with a uh, like Albert Fish. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, uh, good luck. A bunch, with of, that one. a bunch of kids, goosebumps kids, yeah. encountering yeah. Albert Fish. It's Jesus. like, ooh, a bunch of monster blood seeped into this the grave <laughs> of this serial killer, and he came back. <laughs> I remember. I think he's had more since then, but our, I was a big goosebumps kid, as I'm sure all y'all were too. And he yeah, had. Too, I remember I his it. first his first like adult adult book not fear street but like an adult book it's called superstitious came out and i got from the library and it wasn't that adult but i remember there was one sex scene where the protagonist was like it was something like she always liked having sex by the beach and i remember as a kid be like oh my god i can't believe he's talking about this like i'm sure he's had many more since then i'm trying to think of like rl stein like talisman sequel book names and it's like you know the wolf's hair raising adventure (laughs) with an exclamation Uh, point yeah it's like the the What's the town called? Oat or something? What's or the oh, Sunshine yeah. Oat, Boys yeah. Home? The, Oatly, it, Oatly. The mystery at the Sunshine Boys Home. <laughs> <laughs> it it's came like, from Oatly. It's it's <laughs> they don't even try. They just call it Dead House. Is like the third one. Dead House. It's like it's like all right. <laughs> 
cool. Um, that um, would be that would be funny. Like applying goosebumps. I, I think they have done applying goosebumps artwork to King books. I feel like I've seen that online. It would be fun to like just to apply t- yeah like uh, titles like the the. The case of the crazy clown man. <laughs> yeah. God. I used to, the, the, the aesthetic bar- of, yeah. of Goosebumps is so like addicting. I think that's one of the reasons. I mean, oh, it's okay, like, dude. I feel like Goosebumps worked in the same way McDonald's and all the fast food did of the 90s, where they like psychologically, like, you know, created these covers to like just, you know, hit the eyes and go, I need this. I have and to read this. Salem's Lot would be called Bite Me with an Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> With like a vampire. Vampires like, bite. Vampires you know. suck. God. <laughs> vampires suck. I, I used one. to, I remember my parents and sister would, for Christmas would give me Goosebumps books and they would always get like four and wrap them together. And I remember like how that, it felt like a brick in my yeah. hand. It was so not, yeah. There's, dude, I I think You Can't Scare Me, um, which I know it's a silly title, but the ending of that book and The Ghost Next Door, spoiler alert, that that predated the Sixth Sense ending yeah. by like yeah. many years. We did it first. So I, Love Arl Stein. Very informative. Well, he, Welcome he was, to Dead he House. He was kind of my last stop scary. before King. Yeah. Oh, what did you say? Welcome to Dead House is legit scary. I mean, the first. Oh, one, it is. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Some of, some of those books, Werewolf of Fever Swamp's a good one. There. I mean, there are some of them that are just like, oh, I I thought it was a ghost dog, and it turned out my Saint Bernard had just fallen into a bunch of paint or well, something, like, you know. But like, there are some like that. But there are some that are like the monsters are real and that they're very scary. Yeah. Well, like even a prom to remember. Oh God, for <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Um, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Caffrey, take number 15. All right. Let's see. So number 15, we have Nick Rem. A common question for new King readers is, what's a good place to start? My question is, what's a bad place to start? That Very good question. Uh, what's a King story that you think either sits as an outlier in his, hey, say that word. Ov- Ove. Ove? That's how it is. I want to say au revoir. Ove. And uh, and doesn't represent his storytelling style as a whole, or is just so deep into the King lore that it might scare away potential constant readers. I mean, if you started with like, honestly, the the Dark Tower Six Song of Susanna, you you can't <laughs> read that book without knowing not just Dark Tower, but you have yeah. to know have some baseline knowledge of King. I mean, that would be the worst one. If we're doing a non series book, though, um, I mean, something like Dreamcatcher, I wouldn't recommend. I said people Dreamcatcher. That's you said too, Ashley. Yeah. yeah. It's wild it's because w- at mess. least one of our listeners, Dreamcatcher was their first book. I've seen him. Yeah. Really. Uh, uh, I, I like Dreamcatcher too. But- it was his first King and he loved it. I mean, he was in, you know, he was in high school and he was like, the story is so great. And I'm like, no, no, no. The story, the, the bare bones is fantastic. Like, you yeah. know, a group of friends getting together for an annual hunting trip and accidentally getting caught in the middle of an alien invasion. That's great. It's just... It's one of those stories I just want completely rewritten, mm-hmm. like yeah. start to finish. I think finish. he does too. Man, oh man, it's a yeah. hard one. And it, me, it is it's tough because like, like a third of that book is so good. Yeah, it just, yeah. It's yeah. just for me, it's just like anything Bachman except for Long Walk. Like you're not really getting, I think, the true King experience. Um, like I mean, at least if you're trying to set people up for what to expect. Um, I think also Lisey Story or Bag of Bones. Like Lisey Story to me is is uh, kind of a book for fans yeah. you know what i mean of king i think it can be a little bit alienating if if you're not uh i don't know attuned to his world somewhat and then bag of bones to me is just kind of a meandering book that um that has really good stuff in it but is kind of up its own ass a little bit yeah and i just don't think it's like a good king book i i said nightmares and dreamscapes um because i just think that i mean i know i'll get shit for it because it's definitely our most polarizing couple episodes but i just feel like if you went into that and 
I don't know. Maybe yeah, you still would stick around. I just don't think you would have the glue that you would have, like, say, Night Shift, where I, you know, that's yeah. that's my go-to recommendation for, like, any gateway for, you know, Stephen King or young constant readers. But um, I guess Nightmares and Dreamscapes would be fine. Dreamcatcher is a far worse novel to ju- to start out with. So um, Yeah, it's just, I feel know. like if you read Dreamcatcher first, you would be like, this is who you think is a good writer? Yeah, that's like, a good point. Yeah. Well, then don't do this. Don't do Dreamcatcher or Roadwork. So you'll really fuck everyone over. But uh, <laughs> God, um, any other recs or non-recs? I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any. Like, I mean, I don't know what else. I mean, I don't know if it counts because it's collaboration. Sleeping Beauty is it's just oh really hard yeah book to, no, to penetrate for me. I hate to say it because I know it's written with one of his sons, but I, I just that book never took off for me. Yeah. Um, Something like the Institute, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, that at least felt Kingian to me. You yeah, know? I'm like okay, I agree. and and there are people who really dig that book, but man, Sleeping Beauties was really hard for me and did. And it, even though it's about a small town that has a big cast, it felt like it didn't even do those things well, which he usually excels at. So um, that would be one for me too. I think that'd be you know it's too easy to get lost in the weeds. I didn't think about that in like newer books, like. If it bleeds is a really good gateway book for King readers. I feel yeah. like. I mean. Oh yeah. You know it has. Yeah, it's, it's a good one, especially for young King readers. You know, I mean, we talked about Goosebumps earlier, and I feel like that's like a, it's almost like a bridge between like, the I don't know the Fear Street stuff, and then I don't know maybe some of the early King in a yeah, way. Yeah, more because, advanced King. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean like, the titular story is definitely dark, the darkest of the bunch there, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it shows the eclecticism of King for sure. Um, be like, and you rename it, um, I hate rats. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, instead of Mr. The Harrigan's yeah. phone, be like, ring, With like ring, a ring guy, you're dead. Like a writer. Ring, like ring, a, you're dead. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. I feel like ring, uh, ring, you're dead is is a Goosebumps book. <laughs> like, that sounds it, so isn't, familiar. Isn't, isn't, say cheese and die, say I guess. Say cheese and is die. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ring, ring, you're dead. Yeah. That's yeah. when like the skeletons are having a fun picnic and all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's the cover of the bar. Yeah, this cover is a great time. Man. It's not scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, 16, Mark Davitt. This is a great question. We all know about the rock bottom remainders, a bunch of authors who fancy themselves musicians. Who are some musicians you, you would like to take a crack at fiction writing? I learned something when I read this question because I immediately thought Nick Cave, and it turns out yeah. he's an author and he has two yeah. novels. Like, I didn't know. What's great, uh, was it the Assault, the Angel, and the death of bunny, bunny monroe or bunny something, something like yeah and they seem I've, very dark which is what i pictured when i thought about nick yeah cave I, writing a novel. i'm a huge nick cave fan i've kind of been on a, a binging all his stuff for the past year or so and um i have not read his books though i they sound cool i mean they sound like i mean the cave songs are so at least his early stuff is so narrative and their stories anyway yeah I imagine he'd be a good fiction writer right yeah um yeah yeah, Nikki. Yeah, I should read those. What are are they mysteries or I don't know what they are are exactly. Honestly, I read the synopsis and I was like, that just sounds very disturbing, and I don't yeah. know if there's yeah. a story yeah. behind it. It just seems like a bunch of disturbing stuff. But I haven't read them, so I can't say. I I would like to Craig Finn just because mm. from Hold Steady. He's he's and has he not his written soul- anything? I feel like he maybe said he was working on a screenplay or a novel or something, but I, I don't think he has. Um, his bandmate Franz Nikolai has a book, but it's not fiction. Um, especially his his later solo albums, which he might, I don't know if he has more solo albums than Hold Steady Records at this point, but his solo albums have gotten very, um, very narrative and clear in a way. You know how, like, I mean, I love the Hold Steady, but their songs 
you don't know exactly what's going on in most of the narratives. It's kind of like all the same characters and they're always partying and everything. But his solo records, it's like very clear what each uh, one is doing. Hey, I, I mentioned it before, Aquarial River. Uh, I feel like Will Chef would be a, a good uh, a good fiction. Oh, yeah. Um, these are great. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, they, yeah. I'm just thinking of guys who have like these very literary kind of lyrics. Um, those are my two go-tos. Well, yeah, what about uh, Mike and Randall? about you? Randall, yours go-to is a writer. <laughs> oh, sure. John Darnielle, right? right? Well, John Darnielle, yeah. I mean, but I was also thinking, and Dan and I really love this singer named Owen Ashworth. Uh, he has, uh, uh, he used yeah. to be in a band called Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone, and I, he has a band now called Advanced Bass. And I think he he writes about, like, I don't know, melancholy millennials, like, better than anyone. And um, I, I feel like he would write a really lovely book of just, like, quietly sad but uh, reflective and lovely uh short stories because that's kind of what his music's like and yeah. um and yeah. owen uh owen's a listener sometimes too so oh, owen nice. owen if you hear it uh uh game on <laughs> sir <laughs> i don't know if anyone uh, is yeah. a mike how about you? oh sorry oh no you no i was on. gonna say i don't know if anyone is a modest mouse fan but i thought isaac brock yes. could write some really great short because his songs kind of are little short stories oh yeah yeah, I love. I'm a huge Moss Mouth. I actually sang. Uh, I sing our son Boone like it's just a different song every night to go to sleep. And I sang uh, Wild Packs of Family Dogs him the <laughs> other night by Moss Mouse. And it's funny because I always just thought that so- I was like, oh, that song's just about like dogs coming into a trailer park. But then I was reading, I'm like, oh no, like they take they keep taking family members yeah. away. Like it, it almost one. is this kind of horror story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Isaac Brock's awesome. That's a good one. Mike, uh, I said Paul Westerberg because I just would kill to have uh, a one-off novel from him. He's just—he's come. He's such a good storyteller in his in his works, and he's got such a weird, acerbic way of like describing things that I just think it would be an interesting. Just to like to see a little slim novel, like almost like a uh, like a Dennis Johnson Jesus Son from him or something like that. That'd be cool. But um, and hey, his uh, his first album is uh, isn't that named after yeah, fourteen a, um, songs, collection right? or, fourteen stories by. Oh, for, Sal- yeah. is it Salinger? Yeah, it's, right. Isn't I that a riff so. on on that thing? Yeah, man. Paul Westerberg so. is like, yeah. uh, he's like due to put something out too. He hasn't done any music in a while. Maybe he's I know. He, his book. he was he was going on a tear for a while. That would be cool if he just came out with a book. But um, yeah, but, and if if you wrote his Goosebumps book, it, it would be like, I don't want your money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm scared of success. Uh, I'm scared of success. It's like, don't do this, Randall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 17? Yeah. Garrett Lenzen says, knowing how autobiographical King's writing is, it's only a matter of time until he makes mention of a podcast devoted to the work of a famous author. With that in mind, if the Losers Club existed in King's Dominion, which fictional King author would the show be devoted to? I love this, and now you got my hopes up, Garrett, because <laughs> I'm really hoping that we uh, we all appear in Holly. I have- no, I'm just kidding. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I was just thinking it would have to be somebody like prolific, and I I don't know if King writes a ton of prolific authors, but uh, I guess like I was thinking like if it's Paul Sheldon, uh, the pod would be called Misery Men. Mm. <laughs> uh, the, Paul Sheldon feels like the one that is he King's most. Bill Denborough famous was fiction was um, pretty, wasn't he? Pretty successful. Yeah, I think that Bill might be Bill. Like you're a all forgetting. Like he exists like an actual. Are we yeah, forgetting was, someone uh, major? Oh yeah, we're we're forgetting Who? a Castle Rock classic, uh, Tad Beaumont, and from the Dark Half. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah, I feel like those are the huge. that are because well, we... Bill Bill Denbro is is such an analogy for King. So he's I think yeah I think he's supposed to have had as many King books as that. Point. And they're doing Misery's like, a series. Yeah. 
and and um Beaumont's that I mean the machine what like what is it um well no you got to do George Stark and then you call it Starkcast well yeah and so it's, that cause Stark has all the machine novels right the machine like, yeah yeah I I or said you can that we. Well, we I said that we'd get killed one one by one, each one of us, because uh, he'd listen to our show rip apart his uh, his latest book, and it would like conjure back George to come and, uh, <laughs> and get us. Wait, who, who, so I'm, who's on the fairy tale episode? I don't think I'm not on it, but who who is? Oh, it's like me, Mike, uh, Jen, and Justin. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I don't know. I know Justin liked at least a bit of it. Mike, you liked the first like half of it, right? But mm-hmm. it's I, I'm I'm actually curious to see what the consensus from the pod is going to be about fairy tale. Um, mm. It's an interesting. You'll have little to book. listen to find Wink. out. I know. I'm, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, man, we've talked about fairy tale a lot, but yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think who. Or I mean, because like the whole Ben Mears is not supposed to be prolific, right? He only has like three books. It's like Air Dance. Uh, but no, it's funny. I do feel like these authors match up to where King was in his career because it, at Salem's Lot, King wasn't that prolific yet either. Mm-hmm. He had like three books at that point. So maybe it just, yeah, I'm trying to think if, if we're missing anyone, uh, anyone big. It's oh, not going to be yeah, Jack. It's not going to be Jack Torrance. Scott Landon. Yeah, Jack Torrance, yeah. Um, I was thinking there would be like true crime podcasts devoted to like, what happened to Jack Torrance? Yeah, Holmes what happened at well, the they, Overlook? Mm-hmm. In Bev Vincent's book, he has like a collection of like all the... Um, the the prolific writers in King's Dominion and um it, it, he, I think he for Jack Torrance he writes about like a, like a couple of articles in like Harper's Weekly or something like that it's just uh you know pretty sad but didn't quite make it um, yeah you know rest in peace Jack Jack's interesting because he's really the only one who is not only unsuccessful but aware of how not successful he is I feel like everyone yeah. else it's like like Ben Mears it's like okay well he's moderately successful all the other late like Mike Noonan is like you know Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, golden boy it, it, yeah i feel like that's why jack is so interesting because he's he's so he's he is a such a flash in the pan <laughs> yeah i don't know on many fronts not a good well, dad either I'll, just, I'll come out and say it uh, <laughs> hot take not a great dad yeah. yeah hot take not cool to break your two-year-old's arm but uh yeah well speaking of breaking uh children's arms uh the the nickname uh here in this next question ashley take 18 okay is it camber yeah, Camber and Just Cujo. making sure it was uh, alliteration. Uh, Brett, Camber, and Cujo Littman sent this one in. And Brett asks, a matter of semantics, but can one do a chronological reread of King when they have not actually read all of King's books in the past? Isn't that a chronological read? Let me jump in here. I have an answer for this. Okay. The Losers Club, as an entity, is doing a chronological reread. And Dan and Jen have absolutely read all the books. So yeah. they fall under the banner. So it is correct, Brett. Ooh. And I will yeah. not hear any more bullshit <laughs> about this. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say, well, technically now, because I have not read Billy Summers or later, but that doesn't count because we've not. It doesn't count. count we haven't reread those yet. And it, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because when we started, well, and for most of the pod, yeah, it's, I've read uh, I've read them. Look, I, look, I don't want to brag. I've read, I've read all the books. Come on, let's be real. Right. I don't wanna, I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm not going to pretend so like pod, I have it. The pod of the, the umbrella of the podcast encompasses Jen and Dan, who are our most prolific readers. And uh, and I'd say Mike and I, or at least I have read the majority. You have, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, only a handful there. I've missed. So Yeah. Same with and, Justin. Uh, so, I mean, well, all right, we got some scholars question. here. 19. Caffrey, go for it. All right. Uh, this is from Panthera Tijeris. Tijeris, am I saying that right? Um, 
Coming up in uh, Stephen King's 75th birthday. Dang, that's a lot. How many more books do you realistically think we will get? Do you think there will be ones he holds back to be released after he is gone or left to Joe and Owen to finish? Um, Don't even yes, bring absolutely. me into this dark headspace. I know. I, <laughs> it's I, I a did, dark I question. Think about it's not a great party question. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, but he, but he, he's pretty upfront about this. Um, mm-hmm. I think about this a lot because he's not old, old. I, and he's a healthy dude. He looks great. I think Still he's in good shape. Out I think a book he'll. A year, like he's fine. Yeah, he's not mm-hmm. slowing down. Sometimes he, too. So. Sometimes too. He yeah. um he has an interview with Joe Hill, his son Joe Hill, um, that's in the back of the latest edition of On Writing, where he Joe Hill asks him about this. And Stephen King just says, you know, I'm really lucky that I still have the drive to do it and I still had the idea, so I'm just gonna keep doing it and chasing that. Um uh, yeah, so I think I mean, God, I mean, look, I hope he lives to be 100. I think he will realistically crank out a book or two a year un- until he can't anymore. And he he's shown, on- I mean, I don't know. I have to admit, I don't want to say like a definite book number because that feels like a weird, I don't like predicting people's deaths. Yeah, that or, feels like a weird. Or, I didn't either. Moment. But, I, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't think he's slowing down at all. Um, even with something like fairy tale, regardless of one's feelings around it. I mean, it's like Randall is saying, I do think it is this kind of weird reinvention for him because he's going back to genre, even in, relation to his other dark fantasy books it feels way different than the talisman or eyes of the dragon or anything like that um what as to the question about whether he's left books for joe and owen to finish i think absolutely he talked i feel like he talks all the time about what he calls trunk novels Mm -hmm. um that he's never either has finished and doesn't want and just doesn't think they're good enough or has maybe notes or something for it um my guess is after he passes we're getting three to five releases that's not to say novels but yeah. releases of some kind between three and five. Well, yeah, three, four, five. That's my guess. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I mean, I hope he's around for a long yeah. last time. Same, um, same. Yeah. What about you? What yeah. about y'all? Do you, any uh, any guesses on any of that stuff? I don't want to jinx I mean, anything. Yeah, yeah. I feel weird. I feel weird. I don't want to test the fate here. I just want to. I'm not like trashing the question. I just feel like yeah. I feel feel well weird. The good news is to to put a button on all this is that we do have many stories to look forward to, and many of which have been confirmed. We have Holly next year. Mm -hmm. We have Rattlesnake, the sequel to Cujo, which you confirmed on this podcast, and uh, which maybe might speak to the fact that he has a novellas collection. Who knows? I'm hoping he does because I love his novellas collection. I love his short story collections. So. I don't know. We'll see. But we do at least have some confirmed stories. And I feel like that's always the case with King is that we, he always keeps us knowing, gives us breadcrumbs for what's yeah. coming up next. So let's keep that. Let's let's celebrate that on his 75th birthday. And uh, let's also celebrate the fact that uh, this has been a hell of a year. And I think that, you know, we've not only have we gotten uh, fairy tale, we got Wendy's final task. We got Finn. We got a, Waldo the Weird in the, you know, um, the McSweeney's piece as well we're also getting castle rock kitchen with uh, has a forward with him and in, in it as well i mean he's never stopped so i mean lots to celebrate he's still very young 75 years young happy birthday stephen king happy birthday Stephen! Um, and uh i will say this jim henson stephen king and bruce springsteen birthdays are all within three days of each other That's oh. coincidence yeah, yeah. I was hoping they're all three Libras, but I think King's a Virgo. Well, these babies so. were born to run. How about that? So, uh, <laughs> look, this has been a great party, but I think we're good. I think we've had enough cake. I think we've had enough punch. I think we've had enough clowns. King, I really hope this party was your liking. <laughs> Either way, I think it's time for us to tie up this bag of bones and hit the road like flag. But before we go, let's catch everyone up on where we're going to go next. Ashley, 
What do you have going on at Keep It Weird? Keep It Weird, we're moving into spooky season. Um, yes. So this October, we're going to have uh, listener ghost stories, which is always a fan favorite. We read stories sent in about real experiences people have had, and I add a lot of spooky music and sound effects. It's it's genuinely one of the scariest uh, episodes we do. We do it a couple times a year. We're doing a paranormal investigation of my childhood home with my childhood best friend who has had experiences in the home. Oh, no. So oh, that's going to be dope. What? What uh, uh, what town is it in? Uh, Central. Well, technically Walnut Hill, Illinois. Uh, oh. Never heard of it. Yeah, Southern Illinois. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, well, I, I'm not gonna spoil anything. We built our house. <laughs> Why is it haunted? Um, we're doing episodes on alchemy. <laughs> well, on we're doing some burial, cryptid episodes. It's gonna be a really fun month. So this is busy season all the time, and tis you know, tis. It would have to be busy season. For the Halloweenies, given the titular name. Caffrey, what are we doing next month? And yeah, we're uh, doing a little place called Haddonfield with a little man we like to call Michael Myers. <laughs> little uh, man. Halloween. I think he's, a little, he's a little big man. Um, Halloween so. ends. Yeah, he's which... like a 70 year old man chasing Lori <laughs> around. <so>. I, uh, <laughs> it's exciting. I hear only one of them will, will walk away from this until. <laughs> That's what I hear. Uh, until the next, look, next you know what's funny months. about this? Hey, look, uh, you're not going to meet a bigger. Uh, Halloween head than me. I, I'm a, I'm the apologist yeah. for this new series, but it, I do love how like all of them involved are just shamelessly saying like, well, no, these aren't the last movies. Like this is the last of our trilogy, but someone else is going to buy them and crank it. Like it's it's. I mean, it, it almost feels kind of depressing at this point. Just to the just. It no is, bones yeah. about like this is about making money, and if this movie makes money, which it will, there will be more of them, whether it's under our banner or someone else's. Um. Anyway, that being said, I'm very excited for Halloween ends. Even the my co-hosts who don't like the movies as much as I do, I think we're all excited, right? Like we're, I mean, it's we are, given what yeah. we know it's about Halloween. this new one. Yeah, exactly. I, I, we always get the spirit. It's so fun yeah. to talk about them with everyone, even if, if some folks hate them and some love them. I, we know some details about this movie that I, uh, let's just say buckle up everyone. If you thought to yourself, wow, they really haven't aped uh, all these other sequels in the Halloween franchise, rest assured, they're going to get there. So, uh, you know. We have to do, well, I'm sure we will. Well, I think all the the boxes will be checked off by the end. Every yeah. single sequel Pretty much. that they've ignored Pretty much. Will, is being uh, yeah, I mean, this last film. To echo your thoughts, though, I mean, look, <laughs> it takes a lot to do a fucking weekly podcast. So when everyone's just like, oh, they hate everything. It's like, if I hated everything, I wouldn't do it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, you know, it's a headache to do a podcast. It's, it's a lot of work and we do it because we love it. So, um, I'm we excited. Love to yeah. Great. And, uh, so Randall, we got a big fucking, uh, quarter ahead of us. Uh, a lot of stuff yeah, coming up. We got, well, we got our fairy tale episode. We already talked about it a little bit here, but the many more thoughts to come, uh, that's going to be behind, like within the Patreon, all of the, uh, books that aren't part of our chronological reread, are uh, all going to be are behind the uh, Patreon wall, but uh, stay tuned for that. But then this fall, we are wrapping up the Dark Tower, Wolves of the Kala, Song of Susanna, the Dark Tower, all three over the next three months. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. And um, yeah, so start reading. Yeah, we got a lot of books, and they're. I think the shortest one is like 450 pages. So, uh, yikes. you guys um, get to go to Maine too, right? When we are going to yeah. Maine, in uh, oh, right. in a week from today, we'll Hell we're recording yeah. this on Monday, and this is already coming out on fr- Friday. So, in a few days from now, as this episode drops, we will be in Maine, which is 
very surreal and very exciting. Um, and then beyond that, we're going to have uh, some 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 fun drops. We're going to have some fun anniversaries. We're going to celebrate. Oh, so much content for you up ahead. But, uh, you know, you should definitely stay in touch with us. Keep us connected with uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Losers Club Pod, or The Losers Club Podcast. Just search for it. We're going to fucking come up. It's not, I, I'm not going to list out every one of them. Like I, I've, I've listened to some podcasting lists, like every fucking social network. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, just look, look for us. It's a search function on there. It's Good there. It. Losers club. Uh, anyway. Well, you know, it re- would have taken, it, it, it would have taken you less time to just list I know, them all off. Than than if I, rant and I, I know. Well, look, I like to rant and that's where I'm at. But also if you're feeling charitable, please give us a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Give us some bright red Pennywise Clownoses. And who are we? Well, we are your favorite. We are your devoted. We are your only Losers Club. Until then, we'll be seeing you over long days. And pleasant 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 nights. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want some. This is the end of our show, for now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.